Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. If you're new to the Steel Wars podcast, please hit subscribe in your podcast app of choice. And enjoy previous one-on-one interviews with the likes of Ray Park, Sam Witwer, and Director Krenlink himself, Ben Mendelsohn. Or take in our hilarious 2019 Star Wars news prediction show with Courtney Everett, Riley Silverman, and Bart Freebarn. And stay tuned for our wall-to-wall coverage of Star Wars Celebration Chicago. Thanks so much. Courtney Everett is co-host of one of my favorite Star Wars podcasts, Who Talks First, and producer of fine fan merchandise at Squadron Goals. On this episode, we talk about one year of The Last Jedi, dissect what has come and what's still to go down in the sequel trilogy, plus we go deep on understanding the fan phenomenon that is Raylo and how the Raylo online community's analytical minds actually predicted major plot points of The Last Jedi just days after The Force Awakens hit theaters. Yeah, it was something that people were writing essays and theories about two days afterwards and watching it actually happen in TLJ was so satisfying. Being like, called it! (laughs) Everything just made sense. The things that they were hinting at, Kylo's line of like, don't be afraid, I feel it too. We never know what he's talking about. They're never... We don't know what this I feel it too is besides like they feel a connection. Which movie is that from? TFA. Okay. Yeah. So when he originally says that line to Ray, they're just hinting at these little things here that they're relating to each other on a level that's might be a little scary for both of them because they're on the opposite side of things, which is why they both think the other one should be on their side because they know that there's a root of their loneliness that's very similar. Do you think when JJ and Lawrence Kasdan wrote TFA, they were leading that way? Yes, absolutely. If you're up for some really fun Star Wars chat covering all parts of the saga, you are in the right place. This is Steel Wars episode 192, Courtney Everett, One Year of the Last Jedi. This episode of Steel Wars is brought to you by Harry's Shavers, who have some amazing limited edition holiday sets to fill your loved one's Christmas stockings. Go to harrys.com forward slash Steel Wars for $5 off any shaving set, including their limited edition holiday sets. That's harrys.com forward slash Steel Wars. Hey you guys, welcome to Steel Wars. I'm comedian Steel Saunders and I do love Star Wars. And each week we talk to someone of interest about it. And today we are rejoined by our old buddy, Courtney Everett from the Who Talks First podcast and the Squadron Goals Merchandising Empire. Thanks for having us on your couch, (laughs) surrounded by your plethora of licensed items, Courtney. Uh, Thank you for coming. I really appreciate it. I'm glad 
that you consider it an empire. <laughs> We're really taking over, you know. I'm hearing I'm hearing a lot of buzz. Yeah. I was just thinking about this. Mm-hmm. I think yesterday was our one year anniversary of meeting each other. Was it really? Was it? In the line at Jimmy Kimmel, wasn't that? Oh my gosh, yes. That was December 10th. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Uh, now I'm getting all sad and that there's no big like Star Wars hype this time of year. Mm-hmm. Oh man. And one year from today, I'm going to be a total wreck. <laughs> one year from today before, beforehand, that's words. One year ago today, I was a complete mess. And one year from today, I will be a complete mess. But right now, I'm fine. Okay. We've reached a fine line now because before the podcast, Courtney did make me promise to ensure that she spoke English the entire time. And that was that was on the fence. <laughs> it was. I, I, I'm sorry. I've got a little bit of a cold. And so... It makes it speaking difficult. <laughs> so, for those that uh, maybe weren't listening, then we went to the Jimmy Kimmel show for the big Last Jedi, mm-hmm. the whole um, cast out there, and we were there pretty early. And then I was there with Jason and our friend Blondie, and then the other people that were there was a couple of girls that were. I was taken aback. And and this is what I was like, I want to hang out with these girls. You were so amped. <laughs> you you were just like, like Hollywood Boulevard where we were lined up. You were oozing joy onto those stars, and and there's a lot of things oozing onto those stars that are not joy, but you guys were just. I, I was like, they are correctly excited. Yeah, very much so. And very anxious and nervous. Like, I don't think I've ever been so nervous for a movie. And going, go, getting to go to Jimmy Kimmel was absolutely amazing. We did it for Rogue One uh, the year beforehand as well. But actually getting to see it for like the sequel trilogy cast was so good. And we're very excitable people. So that your story checks out. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that. The one thing I've, that, that always strikes me about that night was just how handsome Oscar Isaac was. He's unfair. So I'm an illustrator. He's so difficult to draw because of how handsome he is. Like other people, you can like rely on certain unique features. He is just such a perfectly handsome specimen of a man that whenever I try to draw him, you you just can't draw him as perfect as he is in real life. How many sculptors at Hasbro do you think are listening to this podcast going, yeah, testify? See, I know that's exactly what I say. I'm like, that's why all the Poe figures look so awful because <laughs> so awful. he's such a beautiful man, but no toy has even come close to looking like how he looks. Does he have a hot toy yet? Does he have a sideshow figure? Don't I feel like he hasn't. I know. And I it seems absurd that he doesn't have one yet. And I swear it's because even the sculptors are like, we don't know. We can't we crack can't Poe. do this. We can't crack the handsomeness. It was staggering. Mm-hmm. Like I remember just like like Luke Skywalker's there. Yeah. And I'm looking over going, Wow, that dude is very handsome. It's beautiful. Mm. How different is your Star Wars fandom from now to, like, then to now? 
like I remember like seeing you guys so happy and we were so happy and then the film came out and it was hard I, I, I could never fathom I would have never guessed that anyone could be made so unhappy. Oh yeah, that by, was b- like by a film. Yeah. I I couldn't imagine that either. I remember one of the very first things I read after uh I want to find this tweet again because I know I probably even retweeted it, but somebody had tweeted out being like I have never seen a film reaction be less divisive than The Last Jedi. This is just opening night, by the way. And some guy was like everyone who's coming out of this movie is loving it. Critics are everyone's loving it. And I'm like, thank God, I loved it too. It was great. But that lasted a good 24 hours mm. <laughs> before the world exploded. But I just remember that that was the very first reaction I saw to... Because I, I went into that movie completely unspoiled. I stayed off the internet for probably two months before the movie dropped because I did not want to be spoiled That's for anything. That's why you seemed so happy that night. Oh, probably. <laughs> no... <laughs> Yeah, we we didn't we went in spoiler free and actually the night it was released we looked like idiots. We had earplugs in, we had like no- noise canceling headphones on because I was so afraid someone in line was going to be talking about it. And I'm like I w- did 2 months without the internet at all and no one will spoil this for me. And so I actually got to go through the whole movie completely unspoiled besides like the trailer stuff that you can so you were paranoid that while you're waiting in line homer simpson would walk past and go who would have thought ray's parents would be no one exactly that's what i was like you know what i read on this review i read that this happened and i i would have thrown something through a window so what's your strategy going into nine i I don't know yet because a part of me, I've invested so much of my time and clearly by all the merchandise I have money on loving the sequel trilogy that I think I might stick around for spoilers to prepare myself because I did spoil myself for The Force Awakens and I'm glad I did. Well, actually, someone spoiled it for me. I was in Walt Disney World when it released and someone in Epcot ran around shouting that Han Solo died just ran around shouting that and I'm like and I cried myself to sleep that night because I was so upset (laughs) but true stories of what a stable real human I am was like Disney security chasing them or something no this guy was just being an asshole and uh, apologies for swearing this guy was being a loser (laughs) he was being an asshole all right great so yeah but in hindsight, I'm glad I knew because I got to watch the story from the perspective of knowing that was going to happen instead of being angry. Like, if I feel like if I would have found out just by watching the movie, I would have just been really, really angry and would have stopped been able to stop being able to enjoy the movie for what it was as a story. Mm-hmm. But since I knew a couple days beforehand, before I saw it, I went in it into it knowing what the inevitable end was so i really got to enjoy all these character journeys and wasn't nearly as upset about it as i initially was because i was very upset when i found out but since i had a few days to calm down watching it was different yeah i sort of assumed yeah just through like reality like the real world facts of harrison ford yes (laughs) 
that um, you know because I I got I got to interview him in Sydney and he seemed very upbeat <laughs> and just he was just having I, I was yeah he just he struck me as someone that was like going I'm having a good time and this is it yep and like this is my my last hurrah. I'm wrapping up Star Wars. I'm coming back. I always had this thing, actually. You know when he hurt his leg? Yeah, like didn't like the Falcon door fell on him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was always like, because I would have bet a large sum of money that he'd never come back and do Star Wars. Yeah, that like that to me was a concreted Star Wars truth. And so when he came back, and then Star Wars fell on his leg, and I was like, <laughs> oh, how's the irony that? Star Wars is going to cripple Harrison Ford. Like, how bad is it? Like, man, that's poetry. Had a, no, it's bad poem. Bad poem. <laughs> yeah, very bad poetry, but yeah. it does rhyme. Bad Mike Clemo. Bad. Because <laughs> you know, it was sort of like a monkey on his back. You know, late eighties, nineties, when he was, you know, becoming a a superstar, you know, actor. And I was like, and then he comes back, and then it cripples him. That's. No, so bad. So bad. Yeah. If anyone, like, if Harrison Ford's going to be crippled, it should be in a light plane crash. Like, that's that's the way the dude. And that's the thing be... he walked away from. He was like, I'm good. He is Han Solo. He is. He's Han Solo. He's Indiana Jones. Harrison Ford is the most on brand person that I know. And he, like, he's the most on brand person with hating everything that. He represents, but also just being that. Like the fact that he crashed a plane on a golf course and just walked away with just like a slight head wound, being like, oh, I just crashed a plane is like, that's just Han Solo. Like, oh my God. And just the way that Han Solo, it all just comes together for, like, he just throws out a foolhardy plan and it's like, it works out. Mm -hmm. He was a carpenter. Yeah. Yeah. He was working on a door next to an audition. Come on. What I would give for that story. I should leave the house more. <laughs> I just want to see footage of him hammering. Mm-hmm. Like, you know how there's... Have you seen that comic book that came out and he was like shirtless? Yes, it was brilliant. <laughs> Big fan, 10 out of 10. <laughs> Courtney's glowing. Oh, I am. <laughs> Oh, it's great. See, this is the sort of like Star Wars poetry that I'm all about. The good parallels, which include shirtless solo men. Uh, All about it. What death was more troubling to you? The Han Solo or the Luke Skywalker? The Luke Skywalker one for me caught me completely by surprise. Yeah. Yeah. I would. That's so hard because I was so absolutely sure that there was no way Luke was going to die. In, in episode eight. I thought maybe nine. Like, I'm like, eh, he could be... He'll go out in nine. Mm-hmm. But I think what they did ended up making a lot of sense. But I was so sure. And I would laugh at... Not laugh at people, but at the idea that Luke would die in eight. So, I think I was generally more affected by Han Solo. Because um, that... I mean, it is a much sadder death, in my opinion. It's a much more tragic death. And I think Luke's death like they said in the movie, has much more of a purpose. And also with all the Force users, they're just going to be blue. Like, they're dead, but they're going to come back and they're going to be blue. So it it's impactful, 
but I know Mark's still going to be in episode nine. So I think I think Harrison, or I think Han Solo, I think his death broke my soul a little bit more than Luke's. One, because I just wasn't expecting Luke, so maybe I was just blindsided, so I was just numb to actually feeling pain for it. I was just like, I was not expecting that. I'm surprised they did that, but also knowing that, well, he faded into the Force. Mm. He's still going to be there. He's going to come back. Yeah, I'm glad they did it the way they did. Me too. Like, some people would have rathered Luke be there. Oh, no, I disagree with that. Yeah. and and, and Sorry, people who think that way. I'm, I, don't well, I think it's also, like, it's very similar to how Han Solo died. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's a little bit... Um, at the end of every movie, Kylo stabs a family member. Yeah, and I think a big part of why Luke chose not to be there is so he wouldn't be another martyr. Uh, I mean, in a way he was, but another sacrifice for Kylo. So he's like, look, I know it's your mission to kill me and I'm not going to let myself be that for you. So he shows up. It's not really him. So he just can't be that sort of catalyst for Kylo that he's looking for. So he doesn't give Kylo that satisfaction. Do you think he would have gone if he could have found his copy of The Force Unleashed? (laughs) Absolutely, yes. (laughs) Just need to remember how to do this. (laughs) Yeah, hold on. Hold on a second. Yeah, then absolutely. (laughs) Well, yeah, I... The sacred Jedi texts. (laughs) (laughs) Very valid. I um I Luke was for me that it, one I I had no expectation it was going to happen, but like my first tangible memories in life are Luke Skywalker. Mm-hmm. Like one of my first things I remember is getting a Luke Skywalker figure, X-wing pilot. Yeah, and just yeah. So it was yeah. It was it had I don't know like you're getting old vibes or something. It was like this hero that had been with you the whole, your entire life. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah. And then he died or he went one with the force. But I, it's weird because I, me and Jason did a video straight after we saw it. And some people have like watched it and interpreted it. Like I didn't like the film. And it's like, well, no, I was, I like, this character means like like emotionally a less than emotionally balanced amount to me. Mm-hmm. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I no, exa- I, exactly. Like, I don't have it. Like, I try to keep it all positive, but it is, it's too much emotion. Mm-hmm. Like, it's turned up too much for that character. And like an hour later, I just... I was recording. I had to go back to Australia and I was driving with Jackie. She was dropping me at the airport and we did an in-car uh, podcast about mm-hmm. it. And it it clicked to me what had happened and how... Because I was an Ignite... You know, you're holding a microphone with an Ignite the Green sticker on it. So that was like my thing was I... I just wanted that to happen. That's the only thing I wanted to happen because that's the only way I could fathom that Luke Skywalker is a hero. Mm-hmm. Very, like, you know, very... I was like, yeah, just do the thing again. Do the thing on the Sarlacc pit. Let's do that again. Yeah. And so that was sort of like my imagination wasn't that 
like broad to take in anything. And then we got, we're almost at the airport and I realized I was like, oh my God, he inspired the little boy. He like say, like he died a hero and I just started bawling. I actually, I had a very similar moment when the arc really clicked for me. And I got really emotional. I think it was like on our podcast where you're really just breaking down this arc of what Luke actually went through and what he did and what he did for the galaxy. And it just, because it was meta in the way of what he not only, oh, I'm going to cry again. What, what, not only what he did for this galaxy of Star Wars, but what he represents to like so many kids like growing up with Star Wars and adults too. So it is unbelievably emotional but I think really well done and done in a really unexpected way yeah because he was such a even in Return of the Jedi when he's like not the whole thing with Palpatine going strike me down Mm -hmm. and like when I was a kid it just didn't make any sense it was like just get the lightsaber and kill him Mm -hmm. that would be dope and like I don't know. I just learned so much from that character and trying to work out why do you do this? Why do you do that? Like that's, you know, because he's so, in the end, so selfless. Like why would you just, why would you just hand yourself in? Yeah. It's like, no. Like Leia, run away. Far away. (laughs) Exactly. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It was heavy. But I would have, like I was thinking about driving here and it's like in the line and that thing and it was like, I just couldn't have imagined this year. Mm-hmm. Like, it's nuts, <laughs> and the fact that it's a year later, and I feel like hasn't. I mean, it's calmed down in some uh, some aspects, but at the same time, the conversation is not over. <laughs> <sighs> Who talks last? That's what you. Yeah, that's what I'm waiting for. Because I we've talked about this before. Our podcast is uh, weekly. And we think after celebration, we're just going to go dark for a while because sometimes it's just a it's a little much with everything that's happening on social media. And it's it's hard to have a real discussion with anyone anymore because part of Star Wars that is so much fun to talk about is these these sort of nuances that happen in it. And uh and also, I'm someone who grew up in the prequel era. That's my era. The The moment I fell in love with Star Wars, like, really fell in love with it, was the prequels. I loved Padme and Anakin and Obi-Wan. And so I grew up in a world that did not accept me. So anyone who knew that's where my love of Star Wars really began was with those movies, I... I mean, I had shit thrown at me for years. I had stuff thrown at me at years. Apologies. Uh, So seeing like this sort of reaction to The Last Jedi, I mean, I've been hardened, hardened in a way because I'm a prequel fan, because this is all I've had to deal with for a very long time. This has been my entire Star Wars fan existence. Mm. Uh, Like Clone Wars is my favorite Star Wars thing on its whole. It could be the sequel trilogy, but I'm waiting till episode nine. Like I can't say anything about the sequel trilogy until I know how the story is as a as a whole. But Clone Wars right now is like my favorite thing, and so I I was used to the certain level of anger and not willing to really have discussions of just it's bad 
and you're stupid for liking it. And it, I mean, it was exhausting as like a young girl who just wanted to like talk about Star Wars and what it meant for to be the chosen one and how bringing balance to the force meant destroying both Jedi and Sith, not just the Sith. And people are like, well, that's prequel, so that's stupid and invalid. I'm like, okay, all right, bye. I'll see you guys in a few years, I guess. Now, correct me if I'm wrong in this observation, but I feel like the like the dissing of people, of the prequels and people that enjoy the prequels, was friendlier? <laughs> I want to say you are wrong there. <laughs> the Last Jedi is more divisive, like, down the middle, I guess, in a way. I feel like more people do like it than dislike it, but those people are the loudest. But because it's so drastically split, it's maybe a little bit louder and more obnoxious and angrier. But because prequels... I mean, it's kind of just the joke that everybody hates the prequels. But because that was like the joke, everyone talked about it much more. So the people who did grow up in the prequel era... And, like, I recognize that they're corny, definitely, and the scripts are a little cheesy. I love cheesy. Cheesy's my favorite. So it just felt more constant with the prequels because everybody just assumed they were awful, while The Last Jedi is more down-the-middle, constant arguing. So yes and no to, to that question. So it's it's hard it's hard to really... And also, you're at a different age when you're, I think I was 13 when Revenge of the Sith came out, I think, something around that age. So, clearly things affect you differently when you're 13 versus when you're in your 20s. Mm. So, it's hard to really say what's more definitive in there. Yeah, I I was never really into the online fandom thing until the podcast like until i sort of found a crew yeah like i would i remember going on to like the force.net the jedi council forum or whatever it was called and then and just like going oh Mm -hmm. this is not for this is not fun at all yeah and i will say piggybacking on that last idea because i'm going to backtrack a little bit fandom in the last few years has gotten a lot worse just over across the board i've been involved in online communities for a long time and it used to be like if you didn't like something you just didn't like it and you would mention it you could mention it but now it's such a personal thing to attack people who do like it it is angrier so i am going to take back what i said it is a lot angrier now across the board not just star wars it's everything is so much angrier crazy stuff like lady gaga fans versus aquaman it's just like (laughs) But yeah, that I have seen just the weirdest like combinations of fans going after each other, and it's funny when you're not involved because you I've seen like Voltron fandom and uh, Overwatch fandom explode a few times, and those are fandoms I'm not involved involved in. So I just kind of sit back and go, it's nice to know that Star Wars isn't the only place that is so furious all the time. What's upsetting Voltron fandom? A lot. (laughs) A lot. It goes down to, uh, I mean, just everything. Like, again, I don't know enough about Voltron to really be able to tell you why people are upset. But a lot has to do with ship stuff. A lot lot of discourse has to do with ship stuff. And 
I know people are angry when certain story directions don't go in the way that they go. A lot of people forget that animation especially takes a really long time to make. So when you watch an episode of Resistance and you're like, well, they better fix this. You have to know that the next season and a half of episodes have already basically been made. They're not finished yet, but they're they're enough into the process that they're already done. I, I worked in the animation industry for a few years, so I one know how long it takes. It takes about a year and a half from start to finish to make an episode. So I think a lot of people forget how long it takes to actually make these things. So when you think you can complain and change something, especially in animation, I'm going to let you know the thing that you want to change has already happened. It's already been made. And there's very little things you can do about it. Unless it's an actress's voice. Unless it's a voice actress. <laughs> <laughs> then that can be changed. Oh, oh baby. Yep. That can be changed pretty quick. And I'm, I'm so, I'm very impressed and very happy with the fact that they were able to do that. Uh, so quickly because I was even when people were discussing it I'm like I have no doubts that they will change this voice actress but they may not be able to do it very quickly due to contractual things it just may not be able to happen we should explain what happened for those that don't um, follow um, tweets as well (laughs) as other people but and I'm not sure if you can help me out with the actress's name i might butcher it but it's rachel batura okay and she's i'm gonna say that's her name i apologize if that's not not it really she's kind of a not great person she's known from the howard stern show Mm -hmm. which was an immediate red flag for me i didn't know that and so yeah (laughs) like 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 full respect to howard stern as a broadcaster and stuff but the, the the like the ensemble of crew that he puts together it's not really Disney friendly. <laughs> nursery. Nursery. But she she did an impersonation of Dr. Ford when she was testifying about um, an abuse allegation and it was it was not a cool thing to do. It is not a cool thing to do and people didn't like it and now she's not Princess Leia. Yeah. It's it's just a shame because she is very talented. Her her voice acting for Leia is very good, but to see that talent go to waste on being... I, I don't know why she even felt the need to do this at all, but I mean, I'm, I she got her punishment, so she's no longer on Resistance. She's been replaced. And yeah, I'm, I applaud them for doing it so quickly, because I was kind of not... I, I knew it was going to happen, but I didn't think they would be able to do it until probably next season, just because I know how quickly she, I know she had already recorded, but to bring into somebody else to uh, re-record those lines and you might have to fix the animation a little bit to match up better to the new performance. That's a lot of money. So you never know how much money they have or are willing to spend on something like that. So it's very impressive that they really rushed to get that done. Yeah. And it was ironically like one of the most, Uncarry Fisher things. Oh yeah, like so uncarry. I can't. I still can't believe that she thought that was a good idea. But you say that you know she sort of got her punishment. Mm -hmm. But what you might not know as extra punishment, they used her recordings and dubbed them over detours episodes. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> and and that's where a performance will live from now on. Well, oh my god, the secondary punishment. <laughs> a just punishment. Yeah, that is the that is the punishment well deserved. Guys, you know it and I know it. Christmas is mere weeks away and without a new Star Wars film to buy your loved ones tickets for or merchandise from, Christmas shopping is harder than ever because you want to buy something both thoughtful, special and practical and that's where Harry's Shavers come in. We talk about Harry's all the time. They make long-lasting quality products at a super reasonable price with German-engineered blades as low as $2 each. So not only would Harry's Shavers be a great present, it's something that's going to save them money down the track on refills and all that sort of good stuff. And this year they have special holiday packs coming in seasonal gift boxes with customizable limited edition holiday handles and the option for personal engravements. These gift sets start as low as $10 with 100% quality guarantee. If he doesn't love it, returns are quick and hassle free. And as a special offer for listeners of Steel Wars, we have partners with Harry's to give you $5 off any shave set, including their limited edition holiday set when you go to harrys.com forward slash steel wars plus you'll get free shipping this offer is available for both returning and new customers and is only available for the holidays each harry shaving set comes with ergonomic weighted handles with the option to engrave german engineered five weight cartridges that provide a close comfortable shave a foaming shave gel for rich lather it actually that That does feel really nice when you put it on your face, trust me. A travel cover to protect your blades, which is very handy when you're traveling. And a handsome holiday gift box. Or if you just want something for yourself, and who doesn't, redeem a Harry's trial offer to experience the quality shave before committing. You just cover the shipping, which is just $3 on the trial offer. So get your holiday shopping done early. The free shipping ends soon, so act now. Go to harrys.com forward slash steelwars to get $5 off a shave set while supplies last. It also helps out the podcast when you do this, by the way. So go to harrys.com forward slash steelwars. Now... Let's go way back, Courtney. What, what's your first memory of Star Wars? Uh, my first memory is, of course, with the original uh, movies, but it was just watching them with my babysitter. Like, that's the movies that we would just watch when my parents were gone. So we're just watching those movies. But like I sort of mentioned before, the first time that it really impacted me. Well, one, I thought the Oscars were C-3PO. I thought for <laughs> since... Like, I learned very late in life. I was probably like 17 or 18 before I knew that the Oscars weren't C-3PO. And the C-3PO for Best Supporting Actress goes to. But I'm like, it makes sense. Star Wars is like a huge staple movie. Clearly that statue is C-3PO. Clearly. And 17, 18 might be a little exaggerated, but I want to say I was at least 15 before I figured that out, that it wasn't C-3PO. But the... So you would have thought the Olympics, they were all getting like awards from the Alliance? Yeah, exactly. They were all getting Yavin medals. Nice. <laughs> that's, that's it. But the, the time where I know the, like, the most impactful moment for me, I remember this clear as day of when Star Wars really latched onto my heart was Revenge of the Sith and Padme's Anakin, you're breaking my heart. And I just burst into wild tears and I'm going to do it again because I'm reliving this moment 
And I, that's just when I, it lurched onto my soul and I've been a lost cause since then. And uh, I didn't get involved into the internet fandom at all until the sequel trilogy came back because it was just coming alive again. Because mm-hmm. internet fandom can be, it, I mean, Star Wars, it kind of te- it teetered out a little bit when when it goes away for a while. So I jo- I really got mostly involved when the sequel trilogy came out but i was a i was a prequel girl before that <laughs> here for padme amidala what what did you make of so you love these you, you saw the originals mm-hmm. while you were babysitting and then like did you go see phantom menace at the cinema or no the first one i think i saw in cinema was revenge of the sith i'm pretty sure uh yeah, my my mom was a big Mark Hamill fan, but she wasn't a huge Star Wars person. Like she carried a picture of Mark Hamill in her wallet like when she was a kid and she actually found this wallet and still had the photo of Mark Hamill in it. So I didn't grow up in a household that was super about Star Wars. They were just they were just kids movies for us to watch when they wanted to go do stuff, so we'd watch the Star Wars movies. Does your mum do a Corvette Summer podcast? <laughs> she does not, no. Surprisingly. I should tell her to get on that. Wing Commander. Yeah. Yeah, in her bedroom they had a big they had a big poster of Luke Skywalker, but neither of them were big Star Wars people. Uh she shared a room with her sister. But they just loved Mark Hamill. <laughs> I think you're gonna say your mom and dad had a bit. No, no, no. My my mom and her sister growing up <laughs> when they shared a room. Over mom and dad's bed is a picture of Luke Skywalker. Skywalker. And what makes it weirder is they don't really like Star, Star Wars. Wars. So yeah, they they're fine with Star Wars, but I never grew up in that household. And so the first one I really saw was Revenge of the Sith. When you're old enough to go to the movies, that you can choose to go by yourself. Like we would just watch them when they came out in VHS. So the the Padme, you're breaking my heart, Anakin, mm-hmm. which is just that whole wind down at the end of that film from when they're staring at each other through those windows and that music. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just partly because you know how the story ends, yeah, and it's just like you're just watching the inevitable worst thing about to happen to these people. Yeah, it's it's so painful that that moment with just the music is just that, that's like. It's it's so That's some top shelf Star Wars. It is. I, I really genuinely love Revenge of the Sith. It's probably my second favorite Star Wars movie. New Hope is my favorite. So despite being the the prequel girl that I am, a New Hope is is my favorite. But yeah, Revenge of the Sith is after that because it's just what a I I love tragedy, I guess, and since it was expected, we knew what was going to happen, kind of watch the spiral happen and try to understand w- how someone could do this. And even I admit, it may not be the best written at times when you just think about the emotional journey these characters go through. It's just unbelievably tragic. And as a 13-year-old girl, the the tragedy in that romance, I... It broke my heart as, quote, Padme Amidala. <laughs> when you're 13 and you're watching Revenge of the Sith and you're breaking my heart, Anakin, what, 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 what sort of film were you watching for you? I, I don't recall. Uh, I just know I was watching Star Wars with my friends. Like, yeah. And it was just, 
uh, a big thing that was coming out and I just re- I just particularly remember that one moment being the moment that I really connected to it and to to this point it's hard to really pinpoint why exactly that moment spoke to me so much but it just did it just I I cry two times in Star Wars and I can cry talking about Star Wars because it means a lot to me but watching the films I only cry twice actually no I'm sorry three times the uh it's the when Anakin first has to leave his mother in Phantom Menace that yep parents children having to leave their parents or losing their parents is a big mess for me so I sobbed then the Anakin you're breaking my heart and at the very very end of Return of the Jedi when uh the force ghosts show up when Obi-Wan Anakin and Yoda show up and Luke was like and then I'm like, they worked so hard and did so much and look, they're all together. And I just sobbed through the rest of the credits. There you go. Really? Yep. All have to do with Anakin Skywalker. So there you go. Because fun fact, I actually think Vader is very not interesting. But Anakin, on the other hand. Yeah, I'm trying to remember my... What, what my I tell you, the worst... I think the worst I've ever cried because of Star Wars. This is the weirdest... The weirdest reason. I'm excited. Is Star Wars Special Edition <laughs> was coming out, right? Yeah. And it was like, oh my God, like we knew there was going to be like the prequels and stuff, but they're going to bring back the films. And, you know, the internet wasn't, it wasn't like it was today. And you couldn't just go on YouTube because I don't even know if YouTube was around. But yeah, I don't think it was. watching you know, videos on the internet wasn't happening thing. So you had to go to the cinema to see the trailer. Mm-hmm. And so I was up in um, this town, Frankston. Australians will enjoy this reference. And I was at a skateboard contest and I had a break. And so like, we'll go to the cinema and see if we can, you know, ask to go in to watch this trailer. Because mm-hmm. for some reason, the trailer, the cinema at my, where I live, didn't have the, the Star Wars trailer. So we went in and said, hey, we just really want to watch this Star Wars trailer and then we'll come straight out. Is that cool? And they're like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. Now, Courtney, I have to tell you before I start telling this story, I might start crying. All right. I'm so excited. <laughs> I can't. This is what I like. You know, I was talking about how like my the volumes turned up for how much I care about Luke Skywalker. Yeah. Like this, like this is a part of it. And this is what I sort of think this year is... Like people's volume is just turned up too much in certain things, and then the thing they wanted didn't happen. Whatever. Mm-hmm. So the trailer starts. I'm not sure if you're aware of this trailer. It starts with a big screen and then a little four by three television in the middle of the screen. Mm-hmm. Do you, are you are you aware of this? Trailer? Yes, I am. Yeah. Okay. And Star Wars is playing on the television, and it's the Death Star battle. They're all about to go in. <laughs> and there's this voiceover man and he says for how many years I don't know if it says it's, it's the years or it says for 10 years or whatever this is the only way you've been able to see Star Wars right <laughs> it's happening isn't it it is and he goes that is until now and an X-Wing comes out of the 
TV. I just had to clean it up then. An X-Wing comes out of the TV. It comes out of the TV full size and then it goes to the shot of all the X-Wings going past Yavin and you can see R2-D2 moving and there's tons of X-Wings and it's all clear. Mm-hmm. It's so clear and it's moving like in 3D and it's panning and you can see around the X-Wing and R2-D2 is moving. Can I say that <laughs> one more time? Oh, He's moving. <laughs> My friend Tim is sitting next to me and he like is amazed by the shot and wants to motion to me and say, how good's this shot? And he taps me on the shoulder and then just goes, oh. <laughs> I walked out and the, the theatre lady's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, that was a really good shot. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I love this. And it's just, it's forever just embedded in this, I just get an emotion bubble when I think about it or talk about yeah. it. It's so weird. Sense memory recall. It's a tool actors use. Really? Yes. Interesting. Yeah. So when you, you have to cry for your next big film role, think about that, seeing that Star Wars trailer for the first time, that, the special edition trailer. I can do that. Yeah. I can do that easily. Well, if, if only there was, we were somewhere where there was a ton of film roles up for grabs. If only. <laughs> Hmm. Looks out at Los Angeles. We're in Burbank, everyone. Yeah. It is very um there is I think there's an audition going on the balcony over there. Probably, it's, to be honest. Steven Spielbergo. So what when you first watched it, what was the first thing that, that drew you in? Was it a character or Oh, definitely the characters. Um that's the part that continues to keep me enraptured in Star Wars is the characters. Um I am not a person for spaceships or speeders or any of the action stuff i never really cared for it it was the characters that i absolutely fell in love with and i think uh, i had a big crush on anakin skywalker that one is true it is later adapted to be a uh, young obi-wan so ewan mcgregor my adult self is like obi-wan was the better choice here and i also uh han solo was my favorite character up until uh, the sequel trilogy, and since then, all my favorite characters have been like mixed around, and I don't even know anymore. But I, I really did love Han Solo. So it's kind of like a joke with anything. I find the biggest loser, and they're my favorite. And Han Solo is by far the biggest loser, like in a great way. But the second he shoots the council and goes boring conversation anyway, I'm like. You, my friend, are the biggest loser in this room, and you are my favorite. Just the, how are you? Like, it's so hilarious, and that line won me over for 20 years, and then it got up and jumbled, and now it's all over the place. So I really did fall in love with these characters and these character arcs, and I mean, clearly Princess Leia, and... Luke choosing to throw away the lightsaber. These characters are unbelievably real for a series that a lot of people watch strictly for. I don't want to say strictly for it, but for the action sequences and for these big space battles and explosions. These characters are unbelievably real and fleshed out and go through these very human journeys. And so at the end of it, 
the the big final space battle sure there is one but the end of return of the jedi isn't about that big giant space battle it's about luke and his dad and i love that it really the story to me really came back to being about uh start the small part of the star wars galaxy which i know that's a complaint that some people have is that star wars makes the galaxy seem so small but i really really like when they bring it back to these characters and i think oscar isaac had a really great quote about it he was talking about episode nine and he's like episode nine is not about saving the galaxy it's about saving your galaxy so it's about saving what's important to you and i think that enraptures star wars in a whole to me Handsome man is wise. He is. He is so wise and so <laughs> handsome. The interesting thing about Star Wars is how, you know, George Lucas, he like grabs good stuff from all different types of films. Mm-hmm. And that's like, I think it's Star Wars' charm and Star Wars' curse. Yeah. Is that there's something in it for everyone. And sometimes people can't accept that the thing for other people is not the thing that they like, even though it's a pretty essential part of a Star Wars film. Mm-hmm. And, and and that's why, you know, when people like look to Marvel and stuff with the, the standalone films or whatever the whatever films they are call called, it, yeah. the, um, the character-centric ones and stuff, it's like, yeah, but that's not... Star Wars was built on, like, I've, sometimes I say it's the Star Wars taco. <laughs> Where you've got the you've got the meat and then you've got the cheese and the salsa and the tomato and it's like you bite in and separately all good ingredients mm-hmm. but when you get them in that taco, aces, good bites, yeah, good bites. But was it weird for you, like, to go see Revenge of the Sith and you know you're a teenage girl and then you've got like all these adults in there as well? Like, was it confusing? Why are they like? Because I was when I like when I you know I got to see like Return of the Jedi in the f- cinema, but it was like I was so young that I can't even remember how old everyone else. I was just like I remember my mum was next to me, and I was staring at that screen, and I was like, amped. Yeah, but and sometimes like when, like, like with like the paralysis, you know, like like Sal and and Liz and Lizzie that mm-hmm. do all the Rebels cosplay, like like Lizzie. Say to her, and I'm like, do you find it weird that your parents are into the same stuff you are? Like, this is this is for you. They should just give it back. Like, why are they? You know. Yeah. But did you find that? Did you ever question that? I uh, no, I really didn't. And like, it's it's interesting because I think at this point, most people are just born with Star Wars ingrained in their brains. Because I was talking about this the other day, but I grew up always knowing that Darth Vader was. Luke's father and that Luke and Leia were brother and sister so I would what I would give to know what I my reaction to that would have been like what I would have given to be in the theater for Empire Strikes Back Mm. because I would have loved to experience that twist but I feel like I was just born knowing it so yeah it, it never was it wasn't strange for me because I think I knew what a big cultural thing Star Wars was and I mean I was very into other huge cultural things like Harry Potter. And even though that was for a younger age group, I don't think I really, really thought anything of it. I think I just knew it was a big, a big cultural thing. And in fact, I'm like, I'm just jealous of the older audience because they got to 
experience like those those big reveals that I was just born knowing for some reason. It was just infused. If you were born after 1990, it's just infused in your DNA. You walk out of the womb being like, yep, Darth Vader, Luke's dad. Got it. Now, I don't want to womb-splame you, (laughs) but they hardly walk. Trust me. (laughs) I've been there, sister. Your baby didn't walk out of the womb? I'm. This is nuts. I'm learning. No. Your eyes just like glazed over and you're like, trust me. (laughs) That did not happen. (laughs) No. What's, um... What's your favorite scene in all of the Star Warses? In all of... Okay. This could change. So, I, I mentioned this before, but sequel, tr- sequel trilogy, I, like, I don't really judge because I need to know how it ends. Because what the story means to me could totally change after episode nine. So, I don't want to like put it on official placements until I know the full context of the story. So, right now... My favorite scene out of all of Star Wars, of just, of just the movies, I will say it's the Force Ghost showing up at, at the end of Return of the Jedi. Really? Yep. Yep. That's it. And they're just, it's that whole scene, though. It's like the whole celebration of everyone coming together and hugging and dancing and Han and Leia being really cute and the Ewoks all snuggling up on everybody and Luke just turning and smiling and seeing everybody pop up and he just smiles and then joins his friends again and here I go. Here's a lot of tears. But yeah, I honestly, I think that stands as my... Courtney's glazing over, by the way. Oh yeah, I totally am. <laughs> I'm not joking. That she's scene gonna, makes me really emotional. She's ready for a Whenever they play that music, they play that... I go to the theme parks a lot, so I'm at Disneyland a lot, and they play that song constantly at Disneyland, and I just... I'd be like walking by myself, being like, I'm okay. It's fine. The happy Ewok celebration song. And I'm like... I'm just very emotional. It really gets to me. Well, that's what the whole thing about seeing... You know, people are there for different things Mm -hmm. because my whole thing about the end of Return of the Jedi is teddy bear party. (laughs) And I'm all about the teddy bear party. (laughs) Like, just... Yeah. The Ewok celebration party is just like... I remember, you know, that... No, it wasn't the first film I saw, but it was very close to. And driving home with mum and just making up my own Ewok lyrics... That I thought were the lyrics. Like, just like, Nailed it. And you're right next to an Ewok, too. So. Oh, hello. There you go. He's so cute. (laughs) So cute. What do you think happened? Like, Luke's there leaning. Do you know what I mean? He's having his lean. Yeah. Yeah, He's having his lean. There's all the old heads. And then. Like, once they, like, vanished and they went back to their little plane of existence, like, do you think, like, Yoda and Obi-Wan just looked at Anakin and just like, yeah, you're a dick, and just, like, walked, like, do you know what I mean? Like, you'll put on a brave face for the sun, but you're a kook. Well, I mean, George Lucas did say Obi-Wan and Yoda are the reasons Anakin was able to cross over because they were, like, waiting for Anakin to die. So they were there to grab him. But maybe they only grabbed him because they were like... We need to talk, son. Listen, 
it's been a rough 20 years and we need to talk everyone's like look at my complexion <laughs> look at me i was beautiful <laughs> it makes it is not logical how old i now look i this is 20 years <laughs> i was very stressed wait when did revenge of the sith come out 2004 i can double check i think 2004 because that's when, yeah hold on it's ninety nine oh one and four, or am I? Or was it ninety eight? Two thousand five. Two thousand five. Yeah. Two thousand five. Okay, so Revenge of the Sith came out in two thousand five. So that would mean oh, I cannot wait. This is, we've got to start a countdown, Courtney. All right. Two thousand twenty five. A Ewan McGregor face check. <laughs> yeah. So far, not adding up well. He doesn't look... He looks great. He's, he's like... Just in the last couple of years, he's like, I'm going to have to do some hard living. Yeah. He's going to get like... I remember on um, on MASH, a, uh, a show I used to love, mm-hmm. they used to suntan themselves with like one of those fold-out shimmering things that would get more sun. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like a fold-out bit of cardboard oh, okay. that would, like, the sun would hit the cardboard and then bounce back on their face. Oh, all right, yeah. And it was a way to get a better suntan. Yeah. I feel like that's what your McGregor's going to have to do for the last three years, just to, like, perfectly age himself into... Into elegantness. Just to... Because he's still, like, doesn't feel validated by the rock. Like, he's like, I, I, I just have to do this one more bit of method acting mm-hmm. and, and, and this will complete the circle. Yep. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> Poor Ewan. Now, this fascinates me. Yeah. I I only started listening to your podcast after I met you. Mm-hmm. And you seem to come out of The Last Jedi not nearly as shocked as I about all this force connection, all this touching, <laughs> all these like pseudo hologram force times whatever you want to call it you seemed very content explain (laughs) i will say the last jedi was probably one of the more validating movies there's there's some parts of the movie that did surprise me one luke skywalker dying that one did genuinely surprise me i just didn't think it was going to happen until episode nine but like I said, I think they made a good choice because episode nine should be about the new characters saving the day, not about Luke Skywalker saving the day. And we just kind of assumed it would have been about Luke. Uh, so I think genuinely that's I see why they made that decision um, for him to pass an eight and for him to just be like a guide in nine. But yeah, the the force connection thing was something that... For those of you who don't know, I'm I'm what you call a Raylo. I'm one of those people, and then half your podcast just left. So, uh, but I will say that part of the community called it two days after the Force Awakens, and I was not the first person to recognize it. People wrote these really long, extensive essays about Force bonds, uh, which aren't seen a whole lot in new canon, but it's established that Dooku and Yoda shared a Force connection. And uh, really, yeah, they do. 
Oh my god, what a visual! Yeah, imagine them in a hut touching touching fingers. fingers. I know. Where is that? <laughs> and the, probably the most famous example of a force connection is Bastila and Revan from the Knights of the Old Republic series. And people just pointed out all the similarities between the story beats of these characters of why they kept pointing out so kylo has a lot of ambiguous lines in the force awakens and i'm a big fan of ambiguous honesty so for him to say something like just as an example of saying nothing will stand in our way and then later in the last jedi calling ray nothing literally saying that line you're nothing it's a cool thing of ambiguous honesty of him saying nothing will stand in our way and the person that's going to take them down is no one. So it's kind of like an interesting parallel, but that isn't necessarily what we're talking about. Can I ask you a question about that? Yeah. Was that on purpose? I, I don't know if it was on purpose. Does it matter to you that it's on purpose or not? No. Because I'm a little bit... If it's... And I know this is like... Annoys some people. <laughs> But if it's not on purpose, it's like, eh. like, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, like, like with like a lot of the ring theory stuff, it's like, oh, well that, of course, you know, that's that. Mm-hmm. But then sometimes when it's just like happenstance, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I don't buy into it as much. I'm a bit stubborn. Yeah. No, I definitely, I think a lot of things are on purpose that one i'm not sure i'm that one i'm just using it as an example because we have a resolution to it mm. uh, oh, i'll give you an example like when say and sometimes like people sort of project themselves like project like whatever they want like mm-hmm. like yoda saying there is another yeah and it's like he's talking about ezra no you, you're killing me yeah on this or, or just when sometimes like there'll be a like something in the ot or the prequel trilogy or something and then there's a new bit of story whether Mm -hmm. it's like rebels or resistance or whatever and it sort of fits people can go oh what if like i don't know princess leia was talking about hera or something like i'm just making up something yeah and yeah for me that's it's 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 like you're like it's fine Mm -hmm. but i'm not going to get excited about it personally yeah no and like that to me doesn't mean much uh in fact of the story because we know it's it's my on-running joke that like we know the biggest spoiler to episode nine we know how the movie ends the resistance is going to win we we know this so like in other examples of like things that haven't been resolved yet are kylo saying uh the i'll finish what you started to the vader helmet because we don't know really what that means so from the aspect of the audience we're like oh it means galactic power i guess that's what vader started but also when you think of what was anakin's actual purpose it was bringing balance to the force so depending on how episode nine takes that we can still get the i'll finish what you started it just takes a different route from what we originally that told as an audience i thought he was referring to a game of monopoly that too okay it's very long game very long yeah hard to finish and ray did not have a little figure Oh. Yeah. Wow. Bullshit. Nothing's not going to stand in his way. Yeah. <laughs> wow, we just solved There we go, us. full circle. Okay, so a few days after The Force Awakens, because there was, I, I had read more of a, an accusation than anything that because these people were writing these big 
like, you know, theories and stuff. Mm -hmm. And it happened. People accused Ryan Johnson of going on Tumblr or wherever (laughs) it was posted. I think it was like archive of her own. Yeah. And which is you. He wrote his script before you saw The Force Awakens. Yeah. So let's let's do some math on that do one. Do some math here. Especially like, so if Ryan Johnson can come to these conclusions after watching, reading The Force Awakens, so can, there's 8 billion people on this planet. Chances are a bunch of other people are also going to come to similar conclusions. So yeah, The Force Bond was definitely one where people were writing it into fanfic because we assumed that's where it was going. Because they clearly have this uh, connection where their minds connect for a second. And it's really jarring for them both. And at that point, Rey just starts adapting these abilities that she shouldn't really know. And it's been since cleared up on like databanks and stuff like that, where that sort of connection just kind of allowed her access to Kylo's training. So with that mind connection there... So people were writing this force bond in different ways, and just given what we know of them in the past, they're much more common in dark side users and light side users, because so they'll one person on each, they'll connect there. There's just a lot of, there are a lot of steps that kind of led us to believe that this was a possibility. And one of them was just being able to communicate via your mind, uh, just being able to see each other across the force. So, yeah, it was. There just was a lot of hinting there, and there was a lot of post TFA discussion of like a strange connection occurred. And what's that strange connection? Why are they? Why do they keep focusing on what this strange connection between the two are? Because it one could be that they do they relate to each other on an emotional level because they do. Both of them feel extremely abandoned by their family, and they harbor a lot of resentment from it which I think is why they're such great foils for each other because they come from completely opposite backgrounds but end up feeling very similarly about their family. So I'm sure Kylo wishes that her his family didn't have this huge galactic importance at times because then they might have had time for him. While meanwhile, Rey wishes that her family did have this, some sort of importance because then maybe they would have thought she was important too. Mm. So it's they're really great interesting foils for each other and i love i love a villain that is has is developed enough to have something in common with the hero and they take it in very drastic different directions they handle it in very different ways but the root of their uh pain is very similar and this happens in avatar the last airbender too where they end up talking and like hey yeah this war tore my family apart. And then the hero of the character is like, me too. Like, and they kind of bond over this. So it's, it, they're, they're written so interestingly. And because they're both force users, there, there was something more supernatural that could happen there. And because of the, I think the Bastille and Revan stuff is really where people were drawing the most inspiration from. Because while Yoda, Yoda and Dooku have an established force bond that it's really only touched on in clone wars at the end of clone wars for like a top second when they they have like a little arc together of them trying to duke it out in a weird force space but 
yeah, it was something that people were writing essays and theories about two days afterwards and watching it actually happen in TLJ was so satisfying. Being like, called it. <laughs> Everything just made sense. The things that they were hinting at, Kylo's line of like, don't be afraid, I feel it too. We never know what he's talking about. They're never, we don't know what this I feel it too is besides like, they feel a connection. Which movie is that from? TFA. Okay. Yeah. So when he originally says that line to Ray, they're just hinting at these little things here that they're relating to each other on a level that might be a little scary for both of them because they're on the opposite side of things, which is why they both think the other one should be on their side because they know that there's a root of their loneliness that's very similar. Do you think when JJ and Lawrence Kasdan wrote TFA, they were leading that way? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I don't. I don't have any doubts of. Uh, I don't really have a doubt about what they intended there. I intend, I think they intended for sure for that initial interrogation scene to spark something. I think what may have changed is Snoke being the one to do it, because I think what initially was supposed to spark this connection was the initial them being inside each other's heads Mm -hmm. within the interrogation. And that's what a lot of us thought. But in TLJ, Snoke said he's the one who started it. So I think that's something that could have changed. And I'm actually not sure if Snoke is still even telling the truth. I don't like going into a movie thinking someone's lying to me. If it's revealed it's a lie, then it is. But Mm. right now I'm not approaching that as a lie. Because he could definitely use that to manipulate them, being like, you thought this was something special, and it's not. I manipulated the whole thing. The weird thing about Star Wars is, is when do the bad guys lie? They, that's what I love about the Darksiders, is that they don't, they don't really lie. They just make the truth hurt. And they just make you realize the truth in one of the most like painful ways, mm. which is try to basically get you to joined their cause because they hurt as well so they're like hey you know what the jedi really sucked and they did the jedi did suck they did how dare you (laughs) the jedi sucked man (laughs) we can go into this one (laughs) they were awful we're not going there but i love the um the dooku obi-wan thing Mm -hmm. where dooku's just like he let them know the entire plot yeah and the jedi were so blinded by like nope they didn't listen he didn't listen that's so good is that you have these villains who are literally spelling out there's a sith lord running your government and they're like what don't believe you la 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 speak to the hand yep i know i'm kind of trapped in this like freeze thingy right now but i would be doing that hand gesture if i could it's weird when people come out of um the last jedi not getting enough information about snoke Mm -hmm. like and, and how upset like people were that, that that wasn't fleshed out. I I remember coming out of Revenge of the Sith and it's like going, what is up with Cypher Dios? Like I I went into this cinema expecting an explanation. And I know like you can watch Clone Wars years later, mm-hmm. but I was like, what's up with this dude? Like is anyone wondering where these millions of like Yeah Tamira Morrison's came from? No, that's why it's it's so interesting to hear people complain about Snoke like that when you when you initially watched uh, Return of the Jedi. We knew nothing about Palpatine. We just knew he was like this 
Empire Emperor bad figure. We know a lot more about him now, but we didn't even know they were Sith. That word wasn't used yet in the films. And like Darth Maul, I mean, I'm sure they brought him back to life, but they kill him instantly, like ignoring the brought back to life thing. I try to. Yeah, yeah. Me too. I like Same. it when he comes back and I love Ray Park and I love that Ray Park got to come back. But I just I I, I just have to disengage my like it I, I loathe that he came back. I do too. Yeah. But I have to I'm just like go, All right, they did it and let's just move on. <laughs> like when he was in solo and you know, like your non hardcore Star Wars fans, they hit you up for mm-hmm. hey, what's up with this, what's up with that? And it's like, Oh, so Darth Maul's still alive, how did he come and it's like I I want to. It's it's a bit upsetting for me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't don't want to talk, talk about, about it. I'm no. glad he's back in the film, but I can. I, can I like with Solo. So I mean, with me, Darth Maul. I will admit, was a wasted villain. He was so cool, and he was wasted. But I think that's like part of it. But they keep shoehorning him into everything since they brought him back. And so when Darth Maul showed up during Solo, like I was at the we were at the premiere too. Uh, I just started laughing. Everyone's like, oh, and I'm like, oh my god! They shoehorn horn him into everything. Here he is again, and I mean, it, it was probably the coolest part of the movie for me. But at the same time, I'm like, I'm so tired of him being shoehorned into everything. But anyway, that's my thing about Darth Maul. But yeah, I I, I think if they got to, oh, and who knows with all these streaming services and stuff, but if it was the start of like an interesting forward moving plot line Mm -hmm. then you could do like it would be a lot more enriching but the fact that it seems like at the moment it's just this like here he is that's it enjoy (laughs) here he is Darth Maul so why do people get so upset when they hear the word railer I don't know (laughs) next question (laughs) there uh I mean, everyone comes to these movies with different life experiences. Everything reminds them of something else. Um, for me, I've always had a... One of the biggest questions for me in Star Wars is what does it mean to bring balance to the Force? And that's probably part of the reason why I'm so attached to the prequels. I love the mythology and the weird stuff with the Force, ignoring the midichlorians. That aside, I will... I agree with the criticism there. Those don't exist for me. But... I, one of the most interesting things for me is what does it mean to bring balance to the force? Because it doesn't mean destroy the dark side. They've established that multiple times now that whenever you destroy the dark side, it's just going to come back. If the light side exists, it's always going to try to balance each other out. So, and I really wanted to know why does the dark side need to exist? Why does it keep coming back? What's the point of continuing to try to destroy it? if it's just going to come back and it's just going to take over the galaxy again, you know? So I think that's part of the, part of the many reasons that had drew, drew me originally to the storyline of a light side user and a dark side user, uh, really having a chance to connect and figure out what balance itself means, what they have to do to achieve it. That's lasting. Cause clearly, clearly, uh, This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. 
Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Luke's tactic didn't work, or Anakin's tactic of just destroying both sides. And my favorite arc in the Clone Wars is the Mortis arc, where they really clarify that one cannot exist without the other, and... I really just want to know why. Um, but yeah, why it's so divisive. Uh, one, uh, fandom culture is just angry these days. And I do think people have valid reasons to not to not personally like that dynamic. Uh, Kylo is the villain of the series, so therefore he is not great to the hero. Every hero and villain dynamic, they're, an- they're, anta- they're antagonistic to each other. There's not a movie that you'll see where the hero or the antagonist doesn't do something bad to the protagonist. But we see this with Luke and Vader too. Luke, or not Luke, uh, Vader uh, tortured his daughter, forced her to watch the explosion, murder of her family that raised her and all of her people and mutilated his son, did all of these awful things to these people, but they still, uh, Luke still saw good in him. I mean, Padme, even after Anakin killed all of these children and tried to act, kill her and was the inevitable cause of her death. Her dying words are there's still good in him. And that's to me is so much of what Star Wars is. It's about learning to make the right, right decision and also hoping for the best in people. So like to backpedal, I, I apologize for rambling in so many different directions. But yeah, it's called podcasting, Courtney. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's it. That's what podcasting is. It's different people relate things to different things in their lives. So no matter if I show you like a picture of BB-8, you might react to it differently than I would. You know. What about if you showed me footage of a little TV on a giant screen with an <laughs> X-wing coming out of it? There we go. Yeah. <laughs> some people, uh, especially Ray being a woman, will apply these, uh, will, will kind of, not on purpose, but not put her as an equal to her antagonist all the time. Mm-hmm. They, they really play up the power difference there when there's not one. Ray, in fact, is victorious in basically all of their encounters. And even though the First Order is winning at the end of The Last Jedi, Ray they show the movie at the end of Kylo kneeling on the ground in tears with Rey having the quote-unquote higher ground. <laughs> Good old classic Star Wars jokes, am I right? that one yet? But I think shipping for one in every fandom is really, is always like that. So it is pretty split with Raylo. I don't know why people care that some people like it people liking it or not liking it is not going to make it happen or not happen uh for me it's a huge thing about solving these force problems and these force questions that i've had for a really long time and i really like the dynamic they have together and i really like what they bring out in each other um in terms of admitting stuff that's really difficult to come to terms with like ray having to admit that her parents are nobody and that's the hardest thing for her to admit. Mm. But for her to be able to open up like that and 
ex- and also Ray being able to explore this dark side of herself because so many characters, um, Star Wars is not an exception to it. Women represent this sort of purity all the time. So you have Leia who's all white and though she's sassy, she never gets this almost this female like dark side of emotions, you know, and with Padme as well. So I really like that we get to see this exploration of Rey not understanding why things are working a certain way, letting her get angry that things aren't going the right way, letting herself be sad that she's so lonely, uh, letting herself be afraid of things. And in really dramatic ways that have her teetering towards going to the dark side, not not necessarily we're never going to lose the right to the dark side, but of her being intrigued enough to know why a person can go to that. And I think that's a really great thing for Star Wars to do, especially for a female character, because I... I myself am a person of complex emotions and I feel like a lot of female characters don't get those complex arcs. And I love, I love Kylo's arc. I love Anakin's arc. I don't like Darth Vader. (laughs) I mean, I, I like Darth Vader, but the only Darth Vader only became interesting to me when Anakin was introduced, when we got the prequels. And I'm like, this story is way more interesting now. I find Darth Vader the most interesting in the comics. I've I've not read those comics, but I've heard nothing but really fascinating things about it. I've seen some good art. Yeah, it's just like there's that frame of um, like like and 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 the, even these early comics, there'd be one issue I'd be like, "Fire is too good for this mm-hmm. paper," and then the next one I'd be like, "Oh my god, this yeah. is the sacred parchment." But there's this one shot of Darth Vader sends Boba Fett to find out. I was about to say, that's exactly what I'm thinking of, yeah. yeah. Of, of who blew up the Death Star, and then he hears it's like Luke Skywalker, and he just turns around and makes the glass oh, on the Star Destroyer crack, and I was like, oh. That's oh. nuts. It's so good. Because it doesn't, like, sometimes I find with comics and, like, people write these stories, and, and even, you know, with Solo, the film, it's like they've got to put their little twist. Mm-hmm. It's not how you thought it was. Yeah. But I like it when things like that, when it's it doesn't change the film or what you thought, it enriches it. Yes. And adds another level. And, yeah, that frame, I was just like, oh, he's just worked out like his boss and his fake dad has just been like, like his whole reason for this to be in this suit is a lie. Mm-hmm. It's amazing it's so good yeah that frame is fantastic and i actually i have a big print of the i think it was a cover for one of the comics but it may it may have just been an art piece so forgive me if i'm totally wrong but it's vader standing in front of padme's gravestone with a like a really beautiful uh stained glass like portrait of padme behind it and it's like him just putting his hand on her on her casket and it's just just such a beautiful emotional piece and i'm like see this is the vader that like i find interesting the original trilogy vader for what we were given is not interesting me until until return of the jedi i guess like when he's like i'm your dad i'm like all right a little more interesting there you go because you're you're i am a true believer is in that your hero is really only as interesting as your villain like and they both need to grow together 
like you're, I don't want to say your hero is as good as your villain as your story is only as good as your villain. You need to know what the stakes are. And because we already know the outcome of nine, we know the resistance is going to win. We know that. No, <laughs> the resistance loses. You're like a young spry Jason Ward over there. There we go. That's me. But blonde hair. Yeah. We match. Uh, so, but like we know the resistance is going to win. The stake that we, that's the question for the audience is what, what the hell is Kylo going to do? Like, that's, I feel like the stake of this series is what is he going to end up doing at the end of it? Because we know the resistance is going to pull through. We know that Rey is going to have her lightsaber and be mighty and strong at the end. We know this. And she's like, I love Rey so much. But like the question of is the resistance going to win isn't a question. Unless they do a weird thing where they make a truce. But I don't see that happening. Oh, my God. Imagine after nine films in yeah. a saga. Just call it a day. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, honestly, though. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> you good? I'm good? All right. Shake hands. <laughs> there's not even a battle at the end. Oh. There's like, oh, yeah, there's a few things we know. Resistance is going to win. There's going to be a big space battle at the end. This is the end of the saga. Mm. The big question is, how does the Skywalker lineage wrap up that's the question of the saga so a lot of people just don't like kylo as a character i love him i think he's fascinating i love a character especially a male character that is able to show genuine vulnerable vulnerability that's a word i promise you i meant to say that right and show genuine emotion and feel pain and adam driver is a phenomenal actor like, almost too good for these movies. Like, so good. Could have Adam Driver played Anakin Skywalker better than Hayden Christensen? Don't make me answer that, because I, <laughs> I would feel bad. I mean, I think he would do a very good job of it. <laughs> like, because... Yeah, yeah, let's move on. <laughs> or, from another point of view, because it's all from a certain point of view, mm-hmm. maybe... Hayden Christensen with JJ directing him could have been a better Anakin Skywalker. Yeah, yeah. Because I think part of the the prequels is that they were directed to have that 70s style acting, which 70s style acting is pretty cheesy. But unfortunately, when it looks like a movie made in the 2000s, that that sort of like Western acting doesn't carry over well. It doesn't. So... Like, I see what George Lucas was potentially trying to do with some of that line delivery. He was trying to make it like cheesy old spaghetti western, but it just... Again, I love the prequels. I've said this multiple times. I've gone on many tangents of me loving the prequels, but I will admit that some of that delivery, not great. Yeah, but it's fine to like... like I. This is a weird thing, and this is like the first bit of fan sensitivity mm-hmm. that I was sort of picked up on, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, maybe I'm, I'm a very naive person, but it was when I started doing the podcast and I'd be like on Facebook groups or whatever and I'm talking about the prequels mm-hmm. and you say anything mildly not cool about the prequels and it'd be like, you're a prequel hate and it'd be like, that's, whoa, That's whoa. so interesting. I just think that, like, if they built more sets the actors would have had a better time and I've interviewed people that have confirmed these things because they were there and 
They said when there was a set, Ewan McGregor was in a much better mood than when there wasn't a set that day. Like, yeah, is there a Yeah, as an actor, there's there's a big difference of how you feel when you're actually on a set that looks like where you're supposed to be versus a bunch of blue screens where you can't actually see what's happening. Um, so I do think I, I love I love practical sets. But yeah, I think it's that's an interesting uh point that you made i think no matter what you feel because for me it was almost the opposite i'd be like oh my gosh i love padme amidala and everything i would get would be like she was the worst character ever created and i'm like wait what oh ah so i think no matter what star wars opinion you have the vocal other side is just gonna come find it they somehow know it's like snoke says (laughs) yes it's like snoke says (laughs) but yeah it's Whatever you, whatever your opinion is, and I think Ryanly wraps up like the question that you had is whatever opinion you have is going to have a reaction to it. Everything, everyone comes from it with their own point of view, and I understand their own point of view as well. I see things from a much different perspective uh, of just the media I grew up with, the stories that I like, and what I get out of Star Wars personally. So. Like some people love Star Wars for the the space sequences, the action sequences, the epic fights. Some people like Star Wars for the the character stories, which is what I personally enjoy. Um, there is a part of Star Wars for everyone, and now that it's had it has such a big, massive, huge fan base, everyone has watched Star Wars taking what they what it meant to them from it. And it may not necessarily be what the creator's intent was, but so let's say that the creative intent behind Star Wars like was in a, in a way that it is. The original trilogy is about forgiveness and it's this and redemption of of Darth Vader. Like in a way, the first six movies are about the humanization and redemption of Darth Vader in a way that's true. And that's what you take out of it. You're going to go into the sequel trilogy expecting someone expecting a different sort of story than somebody who loved the original trilogy because they thought Luke Skywalker was the most badass fighter with a lightsaber. So you were just so excited to see Luke with a lightsaber again. So it's... I feel like you're personally targeting me, Courtney. I I didn't mean to, but then I was talking and then it happened. And then these douchebags think it's all about lightsabers. No, but I'm, I'm just saying... That everyone has what it means to them. So when these new movies come out... Listen. They thought he was going to fall into the pit. And then he <laughs> grabbed onto the diving board and did a forward flip. And then grabbed a lightsaber and, and killed everyone. But beforehand he warned. He said, hey, I'm going to have to kill everyone if you don't let me go. And the dude laughed. And then he went, all right, dude. I... I he just does a little bit of a stretch, signals to his little droid, and it's on. It is on. But, but like, no one's viewing of Star Wars is wrong. Like, none of that is instinctually wrong, or it's not wrong to, to, to take from it. It's just what you expect in the future is going to be a lot different. Mm. And which is why I think some people love some of the standalones, and some people don't. And, like, the standalones, I, I really loved Rogue One. I did... Solo is the only Star Wars movie that I do not like. 
Like, I like every other Star Wars movie. That was so deflating that you didn't Did I... like it. Because I, like, oh, I knew you were at the premiere and, and yeah. like, you, I love the photos of you dressed as Princess Leia with, um, with, with all Alden. The and, and, and then when I listened to your podcast and you didn't like it, I was just like, oh. No, I, w- I was so... I was so... I mean, I was genuinely upset that I didn't like it because I, I wanted to so badly. I just... But again, it wasn't what I enjoy about Star Wars. And it's some people's favorite movie. And I'm like, great. This movie was made for you then. And I have other Star Wars movies that I loved just as much. This hasn't sullied my viewing of any of them. So what do you think, like, like with the whole Raylo movement, the mm-hmm. whole Raylo community? They, when, when I listen to Sky Talkers, they use Raylo in ways that they almost use it like Smurf. I mean, like they use it in sentences in a like, <laughs> like it, it's it's so endearing. I, I, love I like it. the Raylos, like how we are basic, like we call ourselves the Raylos, like that. And it's like the Raylo community. And before I was Raylo, and yeah. It, before I was a Raylo, yeah. yeah. <laughs> my my pre Raylo days, yeah. But I've been a Raylo since day two. Uh, day one, I thought Ray was a Skywalker, and then someone was like no, this is why she's not. I'm like, that makes sense. And then someone was like, here's Raylo. I'm like, that makes sense too. Here we go. <laughs> I'm perplexed by the amount of passion for and against. Yeah, I, I, I understand that. It, shipping is a weird thing. And I wish I could give you a better answer of why people are so enthusiastic about it because I'm not even... I'm not even saying anything against the people who are enthusiastic about it because I am. I definitely am. I read a lot of Star Wars fan fiction, but I can't even begin to tell you why that is. I don't know why it is something I've attached to on such like a personal level. And I really don't understand why people uh, spend so much time hating something they don't like because I don't see the emotional value of spending what time you have on this earth focusing on something that makes you very upset and i get when you're upset you want to talk about it because that might make you feel better or may make your point seem more valid i definitely understand that and i think that's why people uh do speak out um and there's times where it's really where it's a good thing um but there's also times where like in fiction it's not real uh, if you're spending years of your life being so upset over something that's fictional. You're just wasting your, your time on this planet. And it's, it's, it's really a sad thing that... Happy anniversary, everyone. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> it, but it's, like, it, it's speaking of, like, all, like, of The Last Jedi and there's people that are still so upset. There's still people that are so upset over like The Force Awakens and spending that much time there's things that i really dislike in this world in terms of fiction and there's things i really dislike but then you you sit on it for a couple days and then you're like i'm gonna go back to enjoying what i do enjoy and something like with the the people who are big fans of the old eu i think those are probably some of the luckiest star wars fans because if they don't like the sequel trilogy they still have books upon books upon comics upon like with a story that they do like well meanwhile i'm not an old eu person myself because you 
I understand why people think the movies are more real. In a sense, they are more canon. But everything is just as fake as the other thing at the end of the day. the um, It's interesting because a lot of EU fans don't seem to have that. No. That I'd be like, they're, I'm they're so not, jealous. They're not, they're not thanking their lucky stars. Yeah. We've still got Winter. Yeah. We've still got the character that had a robot arm whose name I can't remember. <laughs> Once I got too far out from the films, I couldn't, I couldn't remember who everyone was. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, I, I know very little about the old EU. Like, I'm familiar with, like, the big names, like, Marjade and Jaina and Jason, like, all that. And, but, yeah, it, so many people were really hoping the sequel trilogy would be the new EU. And I think it's great that we have basically these two different options mm. of, well, if you didn't like this, the new movies, you've, you've still got all these books that... If you grew up loving them, you still have them. That they are not any more real people than Poe Dameron is. Because, mm. sure, he has an actor, but that's Oscar Isaac. He's not Poe Dameron. Hey, Kip Duran, he's, he's alive and well. Alive and well. In our hearts. Yeah. I mean, Thrawn made it over, so. True that, true that. Guys, I hate to be the bearer of sad news, but the old Steel Wars MacBook, the one that brought you hundreds of Star Wars podcasts from around the world. It passed away last week, and it was tough. But the good news is, his son, new MacBook Pro, is now here. But the thing is, he was very expensive. Very, very expensive. So in an effort to help pay for his arrival, I am having a massive t-shirt sale of all the Steel Wars t-shirts at merchostore.com. Whether you want I'm Ray's parents, your Snoke Theory sucked, Ignite the Green, a Yarvin or a Blue Milk Classic t-shirt, or one of the ones I haven't mentioned in this plug, they are all on sale to the end of December for just $13.95. That's eight bucks off, plus I'll chuck in a bunch of free stickers. All the t-shirts are screen printed in LA on the highest quality ring spun t-shirts so you're going to get a long lasting print on a great wearing t-shirt all while supporting the continued production of this very podcast just make sure you put in the coupon code at checkout ripmac that's r-i-p-m-a-c your support is super appreciated so check it all out at merchostore.com the link is in this podcast's show notes How important to you at the end of episode nine that, like, what do you want out of your Rayloness? Uh, I mean, I, there's a scale of things that I want, but first and foremost, clearly, it's Kylo making a good effing decision for once. That's what I want more than anything. Because uh, who knows if he's going to, like, make it out of, of this franchise. So there's things that I, I want in an ideal world, but. Really what I want with this, the Raylo dynamic, is figuring out what it means to bring balance to the Force truly. Because I feel like you need to figure out and understand the dark side to a degree to stop it from rising up again and becoming too powerful. That the light side and the dark side really need to understand each other at the end of the day if this is going to be the end of episode nine. Clearly the dark side is bad. We know this. The dark side is 
full of negative emotions, but they're all very human emotions. So for us to take the time to understand why fear, anger, and hatred exist, we we need to understand a human journey to stop it from coming back. So ideally, my Raylo is finding balance in the force, is figuring out what that truly was, because that's that's what Anakin was supposed to do. It sort of worked, and I feel like that's been this whole saga. Because the misconception is, mm-hmm. with I, like I see people, you know, friends who do podcasts or you know YouTube shows, or whatever. Yeah, and like I can tell that they they think Raylo is about like. Just them making out. Yeah, get some some sweet tongue action. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Which I mean, part of part of it can be. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of fanfic for that, but I it it comes from a way different root of the story, and not everyone's the same. So how I feel about it is not the s- same as others. So I don't want to speak for everyone because some people are just like, yeah, they should smooch. I'm a big fan of uh, enemies to lovers romance. That's a huge trope. I uh, cannot speak for all Raylo. Cannot speak for all Raylos. But as a soul, Raylo. Yeah. But for me, the reason why the the dynamic was so interesting is because of the whole, like, opposites attract dynamic is figuring out that question of, I know I'm sounding like a broken record of, like, the yin-yang, the balance of the force. They keep talking about how the Jedi really screwed up. Why did it, why did they screw up? The Last Jedi finally brought it to light that the Jedi were not great and i think that's why i loved luke's journey so much because i don't see that discussed nearly as much as it should have is how much the jedi really screwed up at the end like of how lost they were in this war how blind they were to everything that was happening around them blinded so much by the light all right it's awesome what a metaphor (laughs) thank you i'm here for great puns just jumping back yes when the first time in the last jedi when the first the force bond and and Kylo did that like sweet sassy out into the hallway, the little slip, the greatest slip on the socks. Oh my god, that was amazing! So good. Dun 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 dun. What was your reaction that it was coming true? Oh my god, I was screaming. So <laughs> we're I we're in like the front row of the theater or like the not the front front row but the second front row. Very important details that you know this obviously. And I'm in a ball. I'm. So I'm, I've been shaking for the last like three days before the movie came out because I was so nervous. And the second they start cutting back and forth and they just have this like weird look on their face. My roommate, my podcast uh, co-host, Solo, she goes by the name Solo, looked over at me and was like, I think this is the movie you want it to be. And I, I think I blacked out because I don't even remember. I know I was just so excited that something we had been theorizing about for a long time was was correct because a lot of this fandom likes to argue a lot about like this raving of skywalkers uh, and people are still at uh, big proponents of that and i personally am not but uh of raving a skywalker of snoke being plagueis of all of these different theories and so when you see one of yours, because after a while you start getting kind of gaslit into thinking that you're one of those like crack theories too. But when this, this force bond happened, what a beautiful scenario. Such a great 
absolute feeling that the things we picked up on in the uh, TFA like movie, even in the there's little things in the script, there's little things in the novel, these little things that we picked up that are hinting at this connection getting deeper. The the J.J. Abrams commentary is like when is pointing out that they have a very interesting relationship moving forward, and he's saying this like okay something. Something about the relationship isn't going to be a standard hero-villain relationship, which is great, or else we're going to get the same movie three times. It's going to be hero and villain fight, hero wins. Hero and villain fight, villain wins. Hero villain fight, hero wins the last time. That's not not a great uh, base for a trilogy. Mm. So the fact that they went through the effort of building this relationship between the two of them, so the stakes of episode nine are so much higher. So good. Great decision on their part. Yeah, because I was like, you know, like the whole Rayo thing, I just didn't pay it much mm-hmm. attention. Like, it, that's not that important to me. Yeah. So. Well, yeah. Like, everyone goes in the movies, like, different things. Like, the ship aspect, not a lot of people care about. Most people don't. So that's why I, the enthusiasm for it, I'm a person who's enthusiastic about it. I don't know where it comes from. I can't tell you. But then when I listened to your podcast and you were like, hey, we called it, I was like, what's going on over here? Wait. These, 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 these Raylos aren't just drawing kissy pictures. They, they crack the movie. They crack the code. And I was, I was just, I, I was stunned. Mm-hmm. Stunned. And I think that's like a big misconception is that the Raylo fandom is just like drawing shippy pictures which we are don't get me wrong but there's also a huge meta-analysis community that cracked so much of what was happening and i think the research aspect from the Raylo community is far above and beyond what anyone would have expected and of how deep dive into everything and it's unbelievably impressive unbelievably right but they got uh, I keep saying they, I'm part of it, but other people acknowledged it before I did. Like the force bond. Uh, Luke not wanting to train Ray. Luke not being accepting of Ray. Luke closing himself off to force powers. Because all of these things were hinted at in this narrative. Um, in TFA, it was just it was just subtle. And it's one of my biggest qualms when people think that TLJ undid everything in TFA when I'm like what what part of it though you just have to pay attention to like the subtext of stuff which is asking a lot of an audience but it's it was there did you make that clip that was me yeah yeah <laughs> yeah uh, my uh, passive aggressive clip yeah oh no it's amazing <laughs> Thank like you. I was so thrilled I'll have to um I'll have to dig it out and retweet it once the episode is up because it's all like things that happened in TLJ that is talked about mm-hmm. in The Force Awakens. Yeah. And it's, I, I feel like that tweet is you as like Atticus Finch in Star Wars Court. And it's like, <laughs> I rest my case. <laughs> oh my God. Can I be known as a Star Wars Atticus Finch, please? That would be great. But yeah, because. I understand why people have applied their own context of what something means, but you hear a lot of complaints that of Finn moving back in a storyline when you're like, no, Finn says he's when he goes to Starkiller base, 
Han's like, all right, time to do this big hero mission. And Finn's like, nope, I'm just here for Rey. So I can see as Ryan Johnson reading the script, thinking that line stands out of he's not joining the resistance yet. He's just here to get Rey. And there isn't a point where he really decides that the resistance is right for him after that. There's not. He's just there to get Rey and him and Rey try to leave. And then there's Han being like, Luke felt so guilty of what happened. He left everything behind. And you're like, all right, that's what happened in, mm. in TLJ. And there's also these like really subtle moments of Kylo disagreeing with how Starkiller base is being used. Of him trying to like, hey, let's not do that. Because that's something in the script of Kylo disagreeing with Starkiller base. Um, that I think is really interesting. That is draws a lot of why Kylo thinks Snoke needs to get out of there at the end of it. He's like, nope, old people suck too. They keep on trying to bring back old things because the Death Star is what inevitably caused the end of the Empire. That that Death Star is what made enough people rise up and fight against the Empire. And Kylo was like, yeah, I've seen, I know what happened here. Us rebuilding it is not going to work. Just because it's scarier, it explodes more planets now. I've seen this happen. Can't stand the way it blows up five planets at once, by the way. <laughs> Very much annoying. And even with Luke, like I've been thinking about this for a while. It's like ever since I am your father, no. Mm-hmm. Dude's been busted. Yeah. Like he's never happy again. The only time he's mildly normal is when he gets to the rebel briefing. And he's sucking it up. Like he's putting on a, a brave face. But he's like through all Return of the Jedi. Because it always struck me when I was little. Mm-hmm. It's like. He's There's a, a big change. He's got a lot going on. Yeah. You know, I couldn't understand it. But I do. I always sort of struck me as like. Like, you know, he, he he's doing awesome things. Like, mm-hmm. you know, he, he did. They, they tried to throw him into the pit. But when he jumped, he grabbed onto the diving board and did a flip. Like, he's doing great things. That's established. <laughs> and that's Courtney Dunn. <laughs> that's a good bit. That's a 10 out of 10 bit. But he's broke. Yeah. Like, it always struck me when I was little. It was like, it doesn't seem as fun anymore. Mm-hmm. He seems like he's got a lot going on. This is the thing. Like, Star Wars means so much to us and in different ways. Mm-hmm. And our volumes are turned up at high things on different things. Yeah. But I see people that are that are anti-Raylo. Mm-hmm. And they're, one of their main things is that you're enabling an abuser. And if Kylo Ren and Ray were two people I knew mm-hmm. that lived down the street, yeah. like, I'd be like, yeah... I hope they don't get together. But I just don't think Star Wars stands up to that sort of real-world scrutiny. It, it absolutely doesn't. I agree with that. And, I yeah, like I said before, everyone has their own backstory of, why, of, why, of where they're coming from with that. But to me, that's not the case at all. This is just your standard hero-villain dynamic. So clearly they're going to do antagonistic things to each other. Um and clearly Kylo is going to be the one who is doing the thing that's bad. So you can say one thing like, oh, it, Kylo threw Ray into a tree. But you're like, well, Ray chopped his face in half afterwards. Mm. So 
they're doing just what fantasy characters do in epics. This is not a real person scenario. And also to me, they don't they don't represent uh, two separate human people. They represent two sides of like the human psyche in a way. So they represent these two sort of reactions of like I it's going to sound cheesy, but like the light side and the dark side because they they feel very similar about a lot of stuff, but they are reacting to it much differently. Yeah, it's just like Sleeping Beauty. Mm-hmm. Guys, you shouldn't go around kissing women when they're asleep. Mm-hmm. It's extremely frowned upon. Yeah. But it's Sleeping Beauty. Yep. And if you're going to celebrate the romance of Anakin and Padme, which, you know, so many people do, they they write stories, mm-hmm. they, they do paintings, they do photoshops, whatever. It's like, well... That one's, that one's really rough because they were in a relationship. So, because like, even with the Rey and Kylo stuff, I'm like, they're not in a relationship. They're just, a, they're just, and like, antagonistic towards each other right now. If they were dating and actively saying they loved each other and slashing each other's faces in half, that's one thing. But like, that's what was happening with Padme and Anakin. They were married and Anakin went and basically lost control and tried to kill her. Mm. So I think there's a big difference of where they technically are. Of people who are growing in a relationship, they're not in a relationship, but growing as a dynamic, like Ray and Kylo are, versus people who are actually actively in a relationship that they love each other. They are they are married, so it, it, there's a difference there too. And but yeah, I agree with what you're saying. I don't think the same uh, stakes can be applied. To the relationship, I understand that sometimes just life paths have led you to be reminded of certain stuff when you see it. Um, I don't believe that's the intention, though, of Star Wars at all. Well, it doesn't... You go back to the original film. Mm -hmm. Princess Leia Mm -hmm. watched her planet get blown up. Yep. With her parents on it, everything. And is patting Luke on the back because they lost a hobo. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Like it doesn't. Yeah. It's a bizarre fairy tale story. It doesn't. And and this is always my thing with Star Wars. If you're going to criticize one of the new films, mm-hmm. well, then you have to have that same lens on the old films. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like take the the bombs falling in the Last Jedi. Yeah. It's like bombs fall in space, in Empire Strikes Back. And then there's the other thing of like, as Earthlings, I think we could invent bombs falling in space far quicker yeah. than hyperspace travel. So yeah. let's, let's just chill out. And, and, and the, the puppet made a ship come out of the swamp as well. But anyway. <laughs> but yeah, so you have to look at, if you're going to judge like the, the Raylo or you know, that relationship under that lens... Well, then you have to go back and then judge that with that same... You yeah. can't give Anakin a pass, Yeah, but you're, you're like down on that. Well, because well, I even think a similar thing with Luke and Vader as well. Even though it's not a romantic love story, it's still a love story. It's still about Luke's love for his father. Mm. And Vader did horrible shit to Luke too. And to say that like there isn't like real life situations of like familial abuse... Like in real life, 
is just like a naive thing to say. Mm. So Luke doing this, everything he stands for at the end of Return of the Jedi, him saving Vader, him believing there's still good in him after everything Vader has done to him, like cut off his hand, like bad stuff to him and Leia. And at this point, like now Vader knows that both of them are his kids and Vader is threatening Leia now to you have to I feel like you have to hold that sort of scrutiny up to all of that. And that's to me is not the point. That is not what uh, the point of Star Wars for me is. It's it's kind of this for Kylo. It's a journey of self-sabotage, which for me is one of the most relatable story arcs you can do because everything bad that has basically ever happened in my life is because of myself is because I didn't try hard enough or because I I sabotaged myself because I was afraid of failure so I think that's a really unbelievably relatable arc and probably why I connect to Kylo so much and I just want to see him make a good decision because clearly all of these decisions still make him feel like shit at the end of The Last Jedi you're expecting him to He's the ruler, and the last shot we see of him is him crying over his father's dice that disappear in his hands. That's the last time we see him in that movie. He's clearly not happy with the decisions he's making. And what's the point of continuing to emphasize that he still hasn't found? Oh, no, that's... He's not crying over that. <laughs> oh, what, what, what is it? No, it's, it's a real-world thing where... Um... Like, He's actually upset that J.J. Abrams cut out the dice scene from The Force Awakens. Oh, yeah. He's like going, this whole dice thing in all these new films is not making any sense <laughs> anymore. Like, where these dice come from should have so... been established. I love, like, I've seen so many people think that J.J. went and re-edited The, La- the Force Awakens to make sense with The Last Jedi. I've seen people say this. But they're like, okay, so you think... He fixed, he re-edited The Force Awakens so it would be match up with The the Last Jedi, but he wouldn't re-add the dice? That's the one thing that he should have re-added because that, those dice are now everywhere, but... Where they're meant to be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he filmed it once and Ryan's like, ooh, I like this. I'm going to write basically a script around it. Yeah, I, it's, that is very strange. The only thing I know of that was changed was no floating rocks. Yeah. Like when it was coming up. And I think that was a really good decision because Ryan was like, no, if Luke was still connected to the Force, he would have gone back and saved his friends. Testify, sister. Yeah, testify. Because that's his, like... Yeah. That that Luke Skywalker sensing that his friends are in trouble and leaving... <laughs> To go help them. That's that's Luke Skywalker. So that's classic Skywalker. Yeah. So Ryan was very right in the fact that no, he needs to have disconnected himself to the Force for this story to make sense. And I agree with that completely. Yeah, because he couldn't just sit there and watch. Yeah. Like if he knew, I I find like that. Like with the Last Jedi, you don't have to like how it went, mm-hmm. but. And, and and I think with, like, the Raylo theories and stuff, you have to admit that it's where it went logically for some people. Mm-hmm. And it's not just Ryan Johnson. Yeah. 
and it's not just Raylos or whatever. It's like people watched that and like you could watch up to Empire Strikes Back and then three, like a third of people could think Return of the Jedi is what happens next. Mm-hmm. And then other people think that, you know, like the Boba Fett's the other and he's a Jedi now. Like it's just like there's all those like trails there and it depends which what you're looking at and yeah. what you appreciate in the film is where you go to. Your whole thing with the um you like, you know, getting validated and squealing that your <laughs> theories worked out. Courtney. Yeah. That's gonna be me. <laughs> and in Star Wars episode nine, finally, it is revealed that the green Luke Skywalker lightsaber <laughs> has been in R2-D2 this whole time. I hope so, honestly. Like... Courtney. <laughs> I've got goosebumps. I, 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 I know I can deal with it not being in there because the thing I most wanted to happen didn't happen. And that's why I was really confused about why people got so upset about Luke Skywalker because mm-hmm. I was sort of like, well, if I accept it, and I was so wound up about it. Well, yeah, I, I'm similar. I'm going to box of stickers back home, yeah. you know? Like, I bet, yeah, that will be me. If, I don't think it's going to happen because this is the thing. All my theories are just like old things happening again. <laughs> like, I was like, when Luke Skywalker levitates that X-Wing out of the water. I thought for sure that was going to happen, though. Because, like, you see it in the water. Like, he's going to be able to do it now. Like, he's going to be able to do it. I, I totally thought that too. I remember Jason sent me a picture of like a pinball. Yeah, or it was something. the pinball thing. Yeah, he like texted me, and I'm just like, I'm just like, it's coming out of the water, bro, bro. It's gonna be the best. <laughs> you became so American there. <laughs> yeah, I like how your Star Wars like theorist like persona is just like the a douchey American. <laughs> it's not I, wrong though. I, I wouldn't say douchey. I would just say douchey. <laughs> just yeah. Some of my theories are quite douchey. Um, all right. Let's wrap up with Ben Demption. We yes. talked about the redemption of Anakin Skywalker. Yeah. What do you want to happen? What do you think will happen? Okay. Because like, those are two different things. Uh, what I want to happen is I want uh, Ben to live. I want Kylo to live. I want him to have to atone for what he did. And I think living and actually having to make up for it is something we haven't seen I want an example of how he might atone. Uh, space jail? Spa- it could be space He's jail. He's in Genoso's It could jail be truck. something within the force. It could be exile. It could be working with the New Republic to... Uh, it could be f- training new force users, just being a voice of, don't be me. Of It could be a lot. Like, there's a lot there um, of a different aspects they could go. Okay. But- Maybe should Ben Solo be happy at the end of episode nine? I don't think he'll be like jumping for joy, but I I want him to be happy. I well yeah actually yeah because every decision he's ever made has made him fucking miserable. So I want him to make a decision that actually makes him feel like oh, this is what I should have been doing. So in that aspect, yes, I think he should find peace with himself and in that way find joy of knowing what truly is 
good of discovering what goodness truly is because he clearly doesn't understand why he's so miserable like he does but yet he doesn't but he keeps doing it so i think him finding joy and doing something that helps the resistance or in the end or what have you then then i'll say yes to that 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 question hmm. oh well like i don't think he should be the like number one hero smiley best guy <laughs> like that goes to the resistance heroes but do i think that boy should find joy in making a good decision for once yes what about in return of the jedi right mm-hmm. anakin skywalker doesn't die and he just comes back to luke to the ewok party <laughs> and he's just there with his helmet off <laughs> And like dancing with Ewoks. There you and go. He's going to see who if you're, hey, remember I made you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> What's up? Because <laughs> I can, I think the easy way out is, which is honestly probably what I see happening, is him making a good decision, but being a sacrifice doing it. I think that at this point, but it's basically kind of what we've already seen. But Star Wars in a way does rhyme like that. I think... It's much harder. I'm going to quote Hamilton here is dying is easy. Living is harder, which is good quote. Um, I would really like to see atonement in that way because Vader dying, even though he died on the light side, the galaxy didn't know that. No one believed that. Leia still had to suffer for Vader's crimes years and years and years after he died. Luke was the only one who that impacted of vader returning to the light so i think if we're going to have a quote-unquote permanent ending here uh we need we should have kylo stick around to be an example of change and redemption and atoning for what you've done um i like i don't know what way they're going to take that it could be a lot of different ways but we've because i i do not see him dying just a villain that is so sad for the end of the skywalker saga Mm. raise your main character but this whole saga these nine movies has have been about anakin skywalker's family and for to end that to end end that all everything that these this family did was so they could die miserable that makes han's death completely pointless luke's sacrifice is still is still impactful the resistance will still win but Han's death would have been really for nothing because I still think Han can be a catalyst for his son to make a good decision. Hmm. I sort of, I'm open. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's no conclusive answer is exciting. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. That's that's the stake of the movie. Because That's it. Yeah, because... I think one of the curses of Star Wars is always we know the end. Mm-hmm. Like, like there hasn't been – there's been so much media produced where we know what happens at the end in – like, do you know what I mean? Whether it's yeah. Solo or the prequels or Rogue One. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that I find that very exciting. I sort of – my mind is – and also so it doesn't mirror Return of the Jedi. So we've got a different ending. Yeah. Is that he works out he was wrong. Mm-hmm. And dies. 
then, in a poignant moment, Ray takes on the Skywalker surname. And that sort of concludes. So she's then Skywalker, the Skywalker name, mm-hmm. like moves on. And I, I, I think about that, whether that's like the appropriate... Or if Luke should give her the surname or she, she like, what's the right? Like, if that was the case, mm-hmm. should she give herself? Should Luke give it to her? Like, what's appropriate? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I am fascinated to know, like, what they do. Yeah, I, it's, really, it's really up in the air because... Like on like on the point of that is like does the Skywalker name mean enough to Ray for her to want to take it on? Does Luke mean that much to her? Uh, Can I butt in? Yeah. Yes. All right. Because in the Force Awakens, this is what made me fall in love with Ray. Mm-hmm. Right. I saw a little preview, like an eight minute preview of the film, yeah. introduced by Harrison Ford, by the way. Yeah. And it's the Jakku where Finn meets Ray. Mm-hmm. Right. So this is like two weeks before the film comes out. And Finn says they they've got the map to Luke Skywalker. Oh yeah, uh, okay, and Ray goes, Luke Skywalker. I thought he was just a myth. Yeah, and she's amped. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my god, she's a Luke Skywalker fan like me. <laughs> like me, she's my twins. Girl. Like because the sequel trilogy is the story of two huge Star Wars fans. Yeah, <laughs> it's that's very true. I actually love that. <laughs> It's just people who really like Star Wars. Yeah. We've got old Kylo Sandsweet with his yeah. like, prop, Darth Vader yeah. prop helmet and all that. And he's like, stuff. I like Star Wars more than you. <laughs> I'm a bigger fan. What about the metaphor of like Kylo is the people that are annoyed by the I films. disagree with this so much oh, and okay. here is why. She's standing up. Here you go. <laughs> First of all, Kylo's the one that's like, you're nobody and that's awesome. Like, he's the first one that's like, addresses to Rey that she is nobody, but he still thinks that, like, she's important. Okay. So, and that's like one of the biggest complaints of Star Wars fans is that Rey isn't related to anybody. Oh, that's, uh, that's one of my favorite things. <laughs> same here. Same here. I, I just, the, the message that, you can be yeah. no one is the best. The fact that he thinks all the old stuff sucks. He's like, Jedi suck. Sith sucks. All of this old shit sucks. And all the other, all other fans are like, all the old stuff, man. That's your true, one and true canon. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure Kylo loves Rose, Rose Tico. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. sure. What? Really? <laughs> uh, he's, he's Rose's number one fan. He doesn't give a shit about who Snoke is. Doesn't care. He's like, fuck, dead. Oh, that's that is good. That is good. But yeah, I'm not sure if people are like. Know, I, I I definitely oh, get the joke of just because he's like, he throws tantrums and stuff. I get that point. But I'm like from an from an aspect of like what Kylo believes, it is way different from what the people are complaining about. I, I appreciate it. I was loosely throwing out metaphors. And I was like, here we go. Yeah, and <laughs> you know, it's um. You know, you didn't buy me on the on the Luke Skywalker being important to Ray, and I, I will concede. You know, treat those as thou would like to be treated. I uh, 
I like that a lot. I um, I don't know where I was going with. The, gosh. Oh yeah, and he, he he's also like pretty satisfied with hap- what with what happened with Luke Skywalker. He also really thought Luke Skywalker was a loser, and he died. And he was like, hell yeah, he's happy about that. Most Star Wars fans of complaining about the Last Jedi very upset about that. Kylo pretty cool with it. Kylo's like, see, yeah, I told you, he was a bum, hated him. Does Kylo know that he's dead? I, I think probably the dice fading was when he would have maybe known. I don't. I don't know that though. Well, because in the beginning of the Last Jedi, when he thinks Rey is projecting her, herself to him, she's like, "No, you're not doing this. The the effort would kill you." I think he knows that projection, force projections, basically will kill you at the end of it. So maybe he's just drawn that conclusion. I don't think there's going to be a moment. Where we're not going to see the moment where he finds out. I think he. I think he knows. I mean, that's that's what I'm guessing. Hmm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, so what did um, what did you think of my end of Kylo? Thoughts. I could see that happening. Yeah. Um, I think if Kylo dies, I think he's going to be a blue. Like, I think he's he's going to show up as a Force Ghost. <laughs> like, his best a blue. He's just going to be blue. He's just going to be Kylo, but blue. Um, that's how, the, that's how Hasbro you, should package the figures. Yeah. Anakin Skywalker. Blue. Because <laughs> that's the notes they send to the factory. Yeah. Blue. So I, I can see that. I can see that being a thing that happens. Um, we'll definitely have to see. I just, I just don't know. I have what I want. I want Kylo to live. I want him to have to. Uh, I want him to do redemption a little bit differently than Vader because let's, I really didn't like Vader's redemption um, because he died and said, tell your sister, I told you so, and not tell your sister, I'm sorry. That line makes me so angry. Obviously it's not, I told you so, but tell your sister, you were right, that there were still good in me. And I hated that it wasn't tell your sister, I'm sorry. So I want, I want something more of that redemption. Uh, because I, I love Vader's redemption in the terms of him redeeming himself, because I think that's important for Luke. I think that's very important for Luke and for what he believes. Yeah, I, I just, I don't know. It's really interesting. I can see it going a multitude of ways. I just know that, I don't know. I just assume Ben making a good decision at the end is guaranteed. Whether he lives through it, what he has to do, if he's blue, uh, that, I, that I don't, that could be anything. I think, though, that there's not a point of showing how miserable all of these bad decisions make him constantly. Even at the end of The Last Jedi, the last thing we see is him miserable to not have him make a decision that doesn't make him feel miserable. So three days after The Force Awakens, yes. people were writing these oh, yeah. dissertations. Huge. What are the- what are they writing now? I want to know the end. Uh, <laughs> spoil I'll it spoil it for you. Hold on. What 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 is what is the community that that nailed that? What are they saying? Basically, kind of what I've been saying. Uh, there hasn't been a ton of consensus after TFA. Basically, the force bond thing, Luke not wanting to train Ray, uh, and a bunch of other stuff was like a consensus. Like we we're like. 
That's it. Or, and, and Ray being no one. She's like, she's not related to anybody. She was Kylo's foil. So therefore his opposite. So therefore she comes from no one because the point of his like anger is that he has this huge legacy on his shoulders. So the thing that makes the most sense is that Ray doesn't have this huge legacy on her shoulders. So basically, yeah, episode nine, there hasn't been as much speculation. There certainly is a lot of it, but not as much pinpoint plot lines, but a lot of discussion. Is the force bond going to come back? Is that going to be, is that going to come back in a moment of like peril for one of them? So it's been closed for how long and one of them is in dire trouble and it, the force opens it back up for the other one to see and the other one has to make the decision of how they're going to react to that. Ooh. Yeah. I think that could be like a really interesting just thing. in my seat. <laughs> interesting. Interesting. <laughs> but I think that could be a really interesting thing to a uh, way of keeping that bond throughout the saga because i think that's one of the most interesting parts of the uh the last jedi a lot of discussion if how kylo will redeem himself a lot of discussion of what will happen with leia because it's also clear that kylo feels differently about his mother than he does with the men in his life clearly not a big fan of the men but clearly something about leia is a little different um so it'll be It'll be interesting to see how they do that, given the circumstance. I wish, for a multitude of reasons, we'd be able to see episode nine, how it was, in, it was planned. Because this was supposed to be Leia's time. So what you're saying is you want to see the Trevorrow cut? I don't want to see... I want to see JJ's <laughs> cut. <laughs> I, I don't... <laughs> Thanks Don't. for being on the podcast. It's been great. <laughs> oh no! I'd be. Just, I'll get like a thousand unfollows. Like, how dare you? Like, no, I don't want to see that. I'm very intrigued with this need to reopen the Force Bond in in dire times. Hmm. Because I think it could be a big moment for both of them, depending on like how the scenario plays out. Because both of them at this point may think that the force bond is still fake, uh, but it, it happened after Snoke died. So I think part of them realizes that it was something built between them. It was a more intimate thing than Snoke just manipulating them. But I think it could be a really huge turning point for either one of those characters for the force to be the one that's like, "Hey, also, did you guys remember the?" The throne room scene, how well you two worked together when you guys were actually on the same page. How, like, beautifully you guys fought together. Like, hello, I am the Force. Here's, <laughs> I am hello. doing this thing. Because I know what I'm doing. I swear to God, one of you just needs to listen to me. And both of you need to stop being so stubborn. Mostly Kylo. Kylo needs to stop being so stubborn. And just kind of... Make a decision that doesn't make you feel like crap. Man. <laughs> he keeps hoping for it, but they all make him feel like crap. We've all been there. Yeah. We've all been there, Carlo. Yeah, we have. It's cool. Man. That's why I'm like, I find him such a relatable character in that aspect that that no one really wants to talk about how shitty of a 
person they are. But we're all shitty people. We're all bad people in ways. Not like, obviously, we're not killing people. But we all have done things that are selfish. Yeah, so, uh, hello there. We've all done selfish things. We're all guilty of self-sabotage because we're all afraid of failure. We all get angry at things we shouldn't get angry about sometimes. Cough, Star Wars fans. And it is... It's a relatable character journey, and it's really tragic. And also, Leia Organa deserves a win. She deserves a win. She deserves to be right about her son. If Luke can be right about Vader, Leia deserves to be right about her son. And Rey deserves to be right, too. I'm just saying it. Here we go. Drop the mic. Not really. Courtney's waving finger makes a very strong point, I, I do have to say. it's uh, <laughs> If the voice didn't do it for you, this... Here we go. That waving finger was very assertive. This is my uh, Sudafed ramble for you. <laughs> <laughs> Leia deserves a win. I agree. I agree. Courtney, thanks so much for... Uh, this is so good. Yeah, I, that was... I love talking about Star Wars, and it's really great coming to talk with someone that isn't my roommate, who we have the same discussion every day. So it's really fun to have this sort of discussion for like three hours. So what you're saying is you're happy to someone ask you a question about Star Wars and not know what you're going to answer? Yeah, yeah, I guess that's it. (laughs) (laughs) But um, we should get a massive plug. Your podcast is called Who Talks First? And one of the reasons I love it so much is when you talk about Star Wars questions, I don't know what you're going to answer. And I listen to a ton of Star Wars podcasts and, you know, some of them that I love are friends of mine and when they're talking about something, I pretty much know what they're going to say. Mm -hmm. But that's why I I sort of, like, when I found yours and and Sky Talkers and Scavenger's Horde, I was like, oh, what are are these guys going to answer to the same questions that everyone, like, that, that, like, you know, people I podcast with all the time. And yeah, so I just wholeheartedly like encourage people to go check out your podcast and, and Sky Talkers and Scavengers Hall because it's you get to find out the end of films before they come out. You're it's welcome, like, guys. There are all these, you know, you've got this Jason Ward character that's trying to, you know, he's hiding in bins saying he knows all the answers, but uh, he doesn't know about any of this force touching business. Although I'm sure he'll listen to this and goes, Bro, I knew I could. I did this post. Like, I knew. Whatever, dude. Whatever. 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 But, um, yeah, I, I, I so appreciate your pod. And, Thank you. um, and, and thanks for a, uh, a, a large chunk of your day. Uh, it's fine. I spend most of my days talking about Star Wars anyway. So. And oh, something we didn't even touch upon is your merch store. Oh, yeah. I have a merch store. It's called Squadron Goals. <laughs> I sell a lot of Star Wars merch. That's my job. If you like sweet Star Wars pillows or badges. Yeah, I've got pins. Pins, blankets, plushes, stickers, all of the above. All over print t shirts, I've seen. I do, yeah, I have those too. So forgot about uh, those. Yeah, I'll put a, a link for that down the bottom. I love the, my my favorite one is the little pin that says it's fake and in space. <laughs> that's my top seller. <laughs> wow. That's I got to send some of those over to Pinewood. Really? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah, I got a request. 
Did you send the ones that have the little audio recording devices hidden in them? <laughs> They're the good oh, ones. Oh, I forgot to. Dang it. Oh, man. You idiot. I. Oh, man. Such a fool. That's how you found out about the force touching. Yep. I just gave away everything. <laughs> All my pins have recording devices in them. Why is this pillow buzzing? What's, what's up what's with that? What's happening here? What's going on with that? Is there anything else that... Instagram, Twitter, all that stuff. Um, uh, I'm an illustrator. You can find my artwork at Dobes Art. Um, and yeah, that's it. Who Talks First is my podcast. And that Squadron Goals Co. is my store. So, Okay, well, if you need more Star Wars podcasting, check that out. And Christmas is coming up. Yeah. You, you, you've got a site chock full of stocking stuffers. I'm doing a yeah. seasonal pitch for you right now. It's it's true though. We're great for stocking stuffers. Mhm. 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 Thanks so much Courtney. Thank you. And may that force be with you. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed that super fun episode with Courtney Everett of the Hugh Talks First podcast and the Squadron Goals merch store. Check both those out for both great Star Wars listening and merch. I've uh, put the links in the show notes, so click, click. And while you're clicking, as mentioned during the show, we had a very sad occurrence last weekend. Uh, The MacBook that has served us so well over the years, it just went. There was a folder with a question mark that just kept flashing. It It was horrible, just horrible. So in an effort to uh, get some cash up to pay for the new MacBook to edit shows just like this one, I'm having a sale of all the Steel Wars t-shirts. They're $13.95 at merchostore.com and I'm chucking them in the post box every day if you want it for a Christmas present or the like. There's all the prints, Your Snoke Theory Sucked, Ignite the Green, Mendo, The Force, Who's Raised Parents, all that good stuff. Just make sure you put in the coupon code at checkout, RIPMAC. That's R-I-P-M-A-C. Uh, another way, if you want to support the podcast and help keep things running, is to join the Steel Wars Patreon For $1, you get all the YouTube shows on audio, as well as every back episode of the regular Steel Wars podcast in a sweet little RSS feed that you paste into your podcast app of choice, and it all just downloads. It's a beautiful thing. But on the $3 tier, you join the content club and you get a weekly exclusive bonus show like the Making Steel Wars show that we do with Jason Ward. We did one, I think it was last week, and we're going to do one today as well. Uh, With Horace Burkhardt of the Blue Harvest podcast, we do the Star Wars year by podcast. We go through Star Wars history. Uh, I do a show with my wife, Jackie, called The Jukun Strike back i do audience exclusive q and a shows and of course the robo report with uh, my very opinionated buddy on the east coast robo and i just talking star wars but you normally get at least a uh, one extra bonus show sometimes more a week and you get access to 470 
previous episodes of uh, the various Steel Wars shows. So that's a lot of stuff. Uh, there's audio commentaries of, of films, some done before a live audience. There's live shows, interviews that are evergreen, all that good stuff. I'm very proud of our body of work. And uh, yeah, if you can spare one or three dollars a month, I'm pretty sure the uh, feed makes it worth your while. So check all that out at patreon.com forward slash steel wars with a uh, little Harrison here. My time is, it is, it is harder to spread around. So uh, your help to uh, help alleviate that sort of stuff is it, it does all add up. So I so appreciate our previous patrons and those that are considering it. There's actually a 20-minute preview of the latest Making Steel Wars episode on the normal iTunes feed if you haven't checked that out. If you're listening to this before Saturday the 15th and you are in LA, we're doing a live show at Geeky Tees Burbank at 4 p.m. on Magnolia Boulevard. Uh, it is a awesome venue. It's it's littered with cats, which is the best. And we have a stellar lineup of guests to go through all the listener predictions that we all made for Star Wars news in 2018. We had the show in January where we all made our predictions and... On Saturday, we are going to break them down and see who got it so right and see who got it so wrong. And we will award the Predictor of the Year. We're going to narrow it down to the finalists and then uh, we'll take it to a vote once the episode is up. So I cannot wait for that. I've gone through a few of the predictions and there's some good ones and there's some bad ones. Sadly, I had an epic fail on my prediction and... Uh, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough, but I can't wait to do that at 4 p.m. Saturday at Geeky Tees. If you enjoyed this episode, please drop us a retweet on Twitter or a share on Facebook or Instagram, all that good stuff. If you just get one person interested in the podcast, you've done me a huge favor. I so appreciate that. So pot it forward and let people know what Star Wars podcast you are listening to. Also, we'll be back with the Hyper News show Friday evening, American time, Saturday day, Australian time. Breaking down all the week's news live on YouTube and you can check them out on demand after they're up at youtube.com forward slash Steel Wars or join us in the live chat or call in live while it's going down or if you just want to hear audio, it is on the $1 Patreon feed or up or up, of course. Thanks again for listening. Thanks for the support and may that force be with you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.